Conclave presents Voices in the Warp. Yes, that's right. Hello, welcome, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time you are listening to this podcast. This is a slight variant, although maybe I shouldn't use that word given events over the past two years, of your favourite podcast on Warhammer 40k and Warhammer of all kinds, The Conclave. We had a few problems over the last few months getting people together and being able to record. So we have assembled a crack team of hobby enthusiasts, of specialists, of people with unique knowledge of everything Warhammer, everything Games Workshop, and frankly, everything miniatures, to come and have a chat and get things going again as part of the now growing Conclave Cinematic Universe. Yes, that's right. We're going to be just like Marvel, only without all the merchandising, or maybe with the merchandising. You let us know. But as I said, this is Voices in the Warp. Now, I will introduce you to our crack team. So, I am ADR Wargaming, aka Adam. You know me if you've listened to the Conclave and listened to my witterings. And I am joined tonight by some special individuals. So, First of all, I will introduce, that's my drum roll, it's Josh the War Hipster. Josh, say hi. Hi. There we go. Look at that enthusiasm. You told me to do it that way. <laughs> you, you literally just gave me that instruction. So, I, so I, I'm a good little boy and I do as I'm told. Josh only acts on specific instruction. But yes, Josh the War Hipster is joining us. Josh will be bringing to us all of his knowledge of the world of AOS as well as obviously 40k, and his frankly wizard-like ability to paint things, especially using contrast paints from GW. So we are going to be doing a little bit of chat about hobby and paint. I'm also privileged to be joined by another member of our esteemed gang. It's Reza Prime. Say hi, Reza. Hi, Reza. There we go. <laughs> Again, the levels, the levels here, it's high. To preface this, we were discussing the state of Britain before this, so maybe our energy's been wasted on that. But who knows? Anyway, we'll carry on. So yes, I am joined by Reza. And do you know what? We are literally smothered in riches here, um, as I we are also joined tonight by a maestro of the competitive game, a man who knows no bounds when it comes to the ability to just do magic things with lists and create tournaments and just generally be a bit of a whiz when it comes to all things 40k. It's the Antipodean maestro himself. It's Richard Gwokin, everyone. Say hi, Richard. Hello. It's quite the intro. There we go. Yeah, I well, you know, I like to I like to jazz it up when we're gonna uh, we're gonna gonna get the uh, the whole thing going on this our inaugural episode, our inaugural voyage. And finally our crew is finished off by a man who, if you play Warhammer in London, you probably know him. You've probably been to one of the events that he so tirelessly helps to put together and organise and, you know, keep the herding cats like uh, that it is when it comes to organising hobbyists on track. It's Jamie, a.k.a. the Sanguinary Punk. Say hello, Jamie. All right, guys. What goose? I like it. I like it. Jamie's actually conducting this entire podcast wearing a flat cap and running a market stall. So that's why he's going on like that. But yes, we are Voices in the Warp. And the idea behind this podcast essentially is to expand the world of the Conclave in some wholly new, unexplored, dark regions. No, not dark. We're going to keep things positive here. And we want to talk about all things we love, i.e. the hobby. We want to talk about 40k. We want to talk about AOS. We want to talk about anything else that we're doing that's hobby related at the moment. So we're going to keep things light, we're going to keep things positive, and hopefully we're going to bring you a 
nice listen to listen to while you're painting, while you're building models, hell, while you're just generally going about your life. But that is our intention. So one thing we should probably do, given that you know some of us, but maybe you don't know us that well, is do some short intros. So let's start off with those that maybe you don't know so well. So, Jamie, do you want to tell us how you got into Warhammer? How long you've been doing it? What your favourite army is, etc. Just give us a general rundown on who you are. Uh, yeah, so I I started with the hobby in God, it must be 1993 now. Um, a long, long time ago, I'd had the Battle Masters box set originally. Um, if anybody remembers that, which is one of the old GW kind of more board gamey type kind of games, huge battle mats and all that kind of stuff in association with Mitchell Brothers. And then um, moved on to 40K very, very quickly after that through staring through the uh, the window of my local GW um, and starting to get into painting lots of Space Wars and uh, Eldar and stuff like that incredibly badly. Um, and, and like like so many people, I think the story of most of us um, on this podcast, um, disappeared out of the hobby for about you know, 10, 15 years of discovering other vices um, and then returning, yeah, about three years ago. And I've had a great time. Uh, playing Death Guard and Blood Angels and a little bit of Genes Theatres and all sorts of armies um, and getting back into painting and, uh, and yeah, and also getting into the kind of, as you say, the local London scene and, um, and working with the London Wargaming Guild in particular to try and get even more people rolling dice. Nice. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, as I say, if you've been to events in London, if you've done anything with the London Wargaming Guild, which, you know, certainly we've talked about before uh, on, on sort of streams and on podcasts and various other things we've been on, um, then, yeah, Jamie is one of the key driving forces behind that. So some of the some of the best events certainly that I've ever been to have been a product of uh, Jamie's hard, hard work. So uh, I guess he is in in in, in need of uh, or, or deserves um, some very strong praise for doing that. And Just following on from the OG no, Richard Watkins, oh, to be go honest, on. You know, that's, the, yeah. that's the man who started it. Well, well, well. I mean, that's. <laughs> well, do you know what? That's 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 good. Uh, a good a good segue there because we'll go over to um, the the man, the legend that is Mr. Richard Watkins. So, Rich, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about what you're into, hobby wise, and how you got into this whole fun fest. What's your name and where'd you come from? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> And this is the point where we discover that in the podcast, Richard's internet has decided to die. Uh, and therefore, it makes this whole thing virtually impossible to deal with. I have just realised that he has frozen on screen for about the last five minutes, in fairness. <laughs> I mean, just, I thought he was just pulling a perfect Dennis Reynolds and just, you know, being completely still, not even blinking <laughs> for several hours. But that's, his, that's his round five of a tournament stare, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's round five of a tournament. That's why it was quite so hard to uh, to work out if he was if he was actually there. Uh, but hey, he's back! He's back! Look at that! Oh, he's Sorry, back with the Avengers. So, <laughs> I, I, I will say that, like all podcasts, we can't promise that this will be seamless and there won't be any technical flaws. But you know what? We're probably not going to edit them out because, if nothing else, we like honesty uh, here. So, what you may have missed there, Rich, when you were off in, when the Gellerfield failed and you sort of fell into the 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 Empyrean, uh, was that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jamie was being very nice about you and pointing out that you were one of the OGs behind the London uh, Wargaming Guild. Um, but we were going to—I was just going to ask—tell our esteemed audience a little bit about yourself, how you got into the hobby, what you, where you come from, what do you play. Uh, so, some people may have picked up on it, but I'm not originally from here. 
started back, way back in the hobby. What? <laughs> way yeah. back in the hobby, uh, back in Australia should, in should, 2002. I don't believe um, you, Rich. I I could have sworn <laughs> you told me you were from Deptford. Yeah, yeah. I come, I come from a different planet called Australia. Oh, right, okay. Well, that makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was Lord of the Rings that got me into the hobby, as I'm sure it did for many other people. Um, actually, a white dwarf with the Fellowship of the Ring cover on it. And me and my brother picked that up, absolutely devoured it, read it to pieces, and then got into that. And then to 40K, Warhammer Fantasy, everything. And like most people... Then life got in the way, fell out of the hobby, and then I've picked it back up again. You know, now that you have a you're a proper adult, you have a bit more disposable income, uh, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, this Warhammer thing was really cool. I want to do that again. Uh, so I picked it up about 2015, late 2015, I think it was. And yeah, like Jamie said, after a couple of years, I noticed there wasn't really any tournaments in London, and I I didn't necessarily start up the Wargaming Guild, but I approached Pete and was like, hey. There's rarely any events. I would love to help out. And then together we came up with a, a whole sh- schedule of events. Um, one of the most successful being uh, the Fun and Fluff, which some of you will most doubtedly know. But yeah. Nice. And then just been going and doing, trying to be a bit competitive at times, but not sort of too cutting edge. Oh, you, uh, you've been you've been pretty successful, I think, in terms of in terms of competitive success. Let's be fair. You're being very humble about this. But you're, you, you've, you've had some great success, certainly over the last year or so, with Death Guard, right? Haven't you represented Team Wales as well? Yeah, yeah so I, I managed to go to I managed to go to ETC with Team Australia and then WTC most recently with Team Wales. Uh, when the when GW first reopened their sort of grand tournaments, I managed to win one of those. So I've, I've had some, some success here and there, um, but I've never been, you know, one of the big names at the top or anything because you just need lots of money to throw at armies to do that. Very, very, <laughs> very normal for a, a slightly um, for a slightly Welsh-named Australian to go and play for a Wales team. That's basically their entire Grand Slam Qu- success. Quapkin's a Welsh name. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> their, their Grand Slam was very Australian-flavoured. Um, <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you put on an accent, Richard, to, to get yourself selected? No. <laughs> I, uh, funny enough, like I'm all right doing accents. Welsh is not the one of the ones that I'm confident with. Uh, oh, oh, well, don't worry. To, did you have to be able to trace your lineage back, like on your mother or your father's side, like they do in football? So, funny enough, it actually follows football and like FIFA rules. Oh, it does. But I, I genuinely, yeah, yeah. Made, I was being, I was being asinine. No, no, no. It, it does, but like I think it's. Uh, about 50% of the team has to be uh, either your parents, either you have to live, live, live in Wales or be born in Wales, your parents have to, or your grandparents have to. And for me, it's my great grandparents. So I'm only one generation out of actually counting as Welsh, so to speak, uh, on the team. And are you able to play for like any nation that you want whilst you're under 35, but then when you move into the senior and over 40s league, you have to declare <laughs> for one and then you can only ever appear for that one, much like with football, except it's the that, under 18s. a very different game if there was, if it was age brackets in 40k. I think there should, I genuinely think there should be. Well, like seniors, yeah. see, like, like in, like in, like competitive weightlifting, what do they call it? They call it, um, uh, oh God, masters. 
if you're like if you're a certain age they call it masters aka old people uh, maybe we should have that in, in, in competitive competitive warhammer look the competitive warhammer as a thing right we, we've just, if we're gonna go with 40k right 40, 40k has just celebrated its 35th birthday right there is there is a there is a there is a inherent difference between somebody who is you know 35 uh, you know has been doing Warhammer 40k for 35 years and someone who's been doing it for six months because they've only just reached of age like there is an age restriction on Warhammer you have to be six years or older it's not fair to have you know one of us in our sort of early 30s late 20s playing against six-year-olds come on now there should be age brackets <laughs> It's not fair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The problem is, I will say, Josh. Josh has found a lot of his competitive success in the Warhammer scene by by just going into school clubs and uh, and, and beating them all at Warhammer and then being escorted off the premises. I'll have um, you know, so that's why I am the seven seven year running champion of the Schools Alliance <laughs> tournament. Uh, where all, of the, <laughs> all of the schools in the country get together at, at Warhammer World and play it out for the champion, and and I have won. Because I've been held back a year for the last twenty-five years. Um, <laughs> you've, you've got a lot of you've got a lot of facial hair for somebody who's uh, who's eleven. Uh, yeah, I'm doing the GCSEs. Wait, well, no, you're like sixteen. Mortgage as well. What's your point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out compound interest is quite handy on uh, on your maths exam. Um, no, but yeah, so that's 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 Rich uh, or Richard. And this is an issue we're going to have. And we did talk about this before we started recording because we have two Richards. We have Reza and we have Mr. Quatkin. So it, there's going to have to be some level of name differentiation between the two of you. I think, frankly, the only way to do this and to work out who is the true Richard or the true Rich is going to have to be, you guys are going to need to play each other. It needs to be a no-holds-barred uh, Richard off, uh, and uh, you guys can decide who gets to actually use the name. That's going to be the only way to do already it. already won before dice has rolled, let's be honest. <laughs> or, you both, or you both take a trip to the Thunderdome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that that's it no because oh that'd be an interesting one um but anyway let's go over to as we're talking about it our other rich who most of you should know something about but reza do give us a quick rundown how did you get into the hobby what are you doing what are you painting what's your favorite army baby so how did i get into the hobby so i got into the hobby not as a child i got to hobby at i think it's like midway through eighth edition um, mm. Not long before the Indomitus box, I don't think. I can't remember that for so long ago, but a little bit before lockdown, uh, the first like spout of COVID and stuff. Uh, I got into it as a way to de-stress by painting, and then once you learn to play <laughs> I, Warhammer, I say, I've seen you play. That's that, that, that didn't work, did it? No, no. <laughs> I have a tendency to be aggressive. Um, so that probably leads on to what is my favourite army. My favourite army would be Blood Angels because I like to punch things, to stab things. Uh, although at the moment I am painting Tau and Farsight, but in my defence, I decided to do a shooting army who are based on being really close to people. So it's I mean, they're like, like almost punching people. They're they're like the punchy Tau, right? They're as yeah. punchy as Tau gets. So you know that's fair, and they're also red yeah. with all of one combat unit. Yeah. Yes. Maybe yeah. two. Hey, they've got that gauntlet, yeah, don't they? Two combat units. <laughs> yeah, the Onuga gauntlet <laughs> and the far side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, they do have like a flamethrower sword as well, to be fair. Yeah, they do have the flamethrower sword. That's Which true. Which I have so, taken. Yeah. So in my tower list, I have all the melee options possible. What about the Crutox? The Crutox meta. Come on now. 
I like I like Gundam Wing, so I don't want to paint Crutox, I want to paint battle suits. You don't like uh, your aggressive your aggressive war chickens. No. If I wanted a war chicken, I would paint a Admic one. Well yeah, because they're robot chickens, I guess. An Iron Strider Ballastarius. Thank you, Josh. There you go. That's yeah. right. I'm, I'm here. Uh, or oh, excuse me, or a Sidonian Dragoon. Let's let's just cover all the bases here. All right, Muse fan over here. Huh? <laughs> well, speaking of like, and I don't know if it's like a, a dragoon, but um, I don't know. This is like a copy of topic, but I'm super excited for the what are they called? You know, I'm going to go to the horses, the Pyrrhon people, the Atalan the, Rough, uh, those rough yeah, Riders. I'm so excited for them. I, they're they're going to be so good for conversions as well. Yeah, they're going to be like I don't know. They're going to be dragoons because all my Astromatar army is based on. Napoleonic Britain. So, do I found so funny about the Atalan the Atalan Rough Riders? I have seen hundreds, literally hundreds, of Age of Sigmar fans going. Now is the time, guys. We're gonna take the Atalan <laughs> Rough Riders and we're gonna turn them into AOS models, and they're all gonna fucking cry about it. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll know how it feels. That is one of my favorite parts. <laughs> So the hobby is taking mm. Age of Sigma models and making the space for to annoy Josh. Yeah, I know it's your I can literally, I can literally taste the salt flowing, flowing <laughs> here. Like, mm, nice. Um, yeah. So, well, I mean, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about some of the reveals that we've had over the last uh, week or so, I guess, or a little bit more um, on what's coming up uh, later on. But I guess we should also do a quick rundown um, of uh, Mr. Warhipster. I mean, if you don't know, if you're in this hobby and you don't know who, the, if you don't hear the name Warhipster and go, oh yeah, I know that guy in some form or another i frankly would be quite surprised and i don't say that simply to try and like big you up josh i just feel like with the level at which your painting videos get circulated people generally know you but do give us a quick rundown a little bit of background about you for, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know who you are and sort of where you come from uh <laughs> so many things i could say he comes from the north i, I come from the west country uh, thanks, thanks for reminding me of that, Rich. Yeah, I, I, I hail from the yeah. West Country. I grew up as a country bumpkin. Um, I've been warhammering since I was six, which is how old am I? Thirty-two. Yeah, so it's that many years. Um, that's a lot of that's a lot of years. Uh, I make I make painting videos about contrast paint, and I also make various other things now. Um, about all kinds of things. I'm a massive, massive Age of Sigmar fan. Uh, these days, more so than I am about 40k, but I can't seem to escape 40k. Um, <laughs> it just It's like an abusive ex-lover. It just brings me back all the time. Like, I, I love the game, don't get me wrong, but, like, Age of Sigmar is my favourite thing in the whole wide world. Um, so much so that I'm, I have a Bayard's Revenge who's on the way. I'm going to convert it into a Celestin, Lord Celestin. Um... And, I, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna. All I'm gonna do is just like not glue the backpack on. We, we should, we should probably, we should probably add to this just for some context for people who don't know um, that Josh has a particular bugbear, and that bugbear is people who take AOS models, and the first thing they do with them is suggest conversion opportunities to turn them into 40k models. My favourite thing at this being when uh, Josh, who is a very good friend of another podcast, uh, went on quite a long rant. When um, they brought out the model of was it Gardas Steel Soul? Josh, you know his it? name. Don't pretend oh, like you can't I'm, remember. I'm, I'm you checking. know his name. You <laughs> know. Look at Jamie. 
<laughs> there's still there's still, no but he i am thinking of the right that was god of steel Soul was the like hero pose like landing guy right yes. yeah he was the shit yeah person. yeah so 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 that's that's also that's also one of josh's favorite characters from uh the law of um of aos which you know doesn't actually help things here um but the there were a lot of opportunities described to convert him into like imperial fist captains and you know custodies and things like that which josh found really really heartwarming and, and lovely and he really enjoyed them all um if you know that's literally the opposite of what happened he was very annoyed by them it's my favorite um when it comes up because i still see it come up now uh when people go oh i want to do a, i want to do a character from a space marines or from my custodies and they buy a guard of steel salt and all they do is change the shoulder pads and stick the weapons at a weird angle and go <laughs> and it looks terrible um <laughs> so how do they go <laughs> um like i i as as i am constantly defending myself to uh these two uh, is that i don't mind people doing it just put some fucking effort into it <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like, like, I, I have, I have, I, I, I have this, I have this whole thing which we can go into at a later date, right? But I have this whole thing about being genuine with what it is that you're saying that you're doing, like, and it's it's this strange thing that you see in 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 forty k is like somebody who puts down a horrible tyranny's list and goes yeah i'm a fluffy player i'm like no you're not <laughs> explain the fluff of this well the fluff is that i looked in the book and i chose the strongest things and put them together and then said that's fluff and it's like no it's not fluffy <laughs> so like i i have no problem with somebody converting up their own uh, uh models out of age of sigma models into 40k i have absolutely no problem with that but where i get annoyed about it is where it's like yeah i've done it because it's like super fluffy and this that and the other and you go oh is it is it is it is it supposed to reflect the you know the universe as it is it's like yeah yeah it is and i go right so why is it because of why is it covered in azurite script um oh because that's just what they write in on that planet oh okay fair enough why is it wearing uh lightning bolts and eagles because there's only one faction in the in the in the 40k universe that is allowed to wear that, and that is the uh, custodies, because uh, they they um you know they they wear the emperor's the emperor's stuff, you know it's like <laughs> the emperor's <laughs> I love that. It's just it, stuff. It, I just I just get frustrated with that. I am this, and uh-huh. it's like it, you, no, you're not. <laughs> like you know, I it's like it's it, it's like me t- changing my changing my video titles instead of it being contrast plus how to paint it would be called how to win golden demon with if you then watch my video and then don't win a golden demon with it you'd be like this is not how you win a golden demon with this thing and i would be like well no of course it's not but it's how i you know it's 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 just i mean based on based on the youtube what i know of the youtube algorithm maybe you should do that and then have a like a cut of a a thumbnail which is you going like with a shocked face like (gasps) Right, and then uh, then you'll do really well. I mean, you do really well already, but like, if you just want to boost those numbers a bit more, just lie, just clickbait. It's fine. <laughs> no, I, I refuse to do it. I refuse to do it. I think because you know it's it's the whole thing, and you know it is a bit of fun to tease me about. Because you've it. got morals like God is Steelhammer. 
Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, honest, it's lucky that there's a good there's a good geographical distance between you two because I feel like it just wouldn't go well otherwise. It's one of those things like one day something's going to happen. In your... <laughs> one of these days, Richard. One of these days. <laughs> one one of these days, Rich is going to read a book or something in 40k, and he's going to discover something that, that he absolutely yeah. cherishes and read. loves. He's going to be like, do you know what? I've just I've just finished reading the new uh, Blood Angels book, and you know Dante Dante is absolutely fantastic. The new model, I, I adore it. I can't I can't think of anything better. And I'm going to go. That sounds really nice, Rich. And I'm going to buy the new Dante model, and then I'm going to stick spikes on him and go. This is a badger. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to go. No, it isn't. And I go. Yeah, it is. It's my fluff. <laughs> Or better yet, an AOS model. Yeah, or yeah. Go, yeah the, this is our The one issue you're going to have is me, Josh, and I probably won't care. <laughs> no, it will. It will happen once you've been uh, once you've been in this hobby for as long as I have. The the, the salt mine opens and you plumb <laughs> newer and newer and deeper depths to the point of where even the slightest thing annoys you. And then you just like you can't help it. It just it just comes out. I spent I spent all that time at the beginning saying how positive we're gonna be in this It's this thing. <laughs> no, we love it, we love it. Because a good let's be fair, a good a good like, you know, percentage of the hobby is needlessly getting annoyed about tiny unimportant nonsense in the hobby. Right. <laughs> and winding each other. Like the fourth part of it complaining about the hobby and, is the fourth part of the hobby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and very much. So well, you know, look, we the whole idea of this podcast is we are, you know, as as with as with the conclave as well we are normal people we hobby we get annoyed about random stuff and it will come up as we talk about it so there you go that's josh's summary an old old bitter man <laughs> that's me <laughs> do go to youtube.com forward slash war hipster for more <laughs> wait you know what because we because we because because i was being a dick i'll give you that one yeah, <laughs> just just for more more cynicism. Um, well, I guess I guess I should sort of do me. Uh, I people who don't know, I got into the hobby um, very much like Miss Squatkin. I got into it with the Middle Earth strategy uh, battle games in Middle Earth. I think it's called. It was a magazine that came out around the time of Lord of the Rings. You could collect. Um, absolutely love that. Had no idea how to play, and from there played a bit of, or tried to play a bit of um, fourth edition. It would have been or third edition, forty uh, k. And I had some third, early fourth. Yeah, it was, I think it was around the crossover because it was whenever Tau and Necrons yeah. came in, and they were like brand new at the time. Because um, I had a, I had I had some I had some bits of Tau, I had some Chaos uh, Space Marines. I've got a load of like very old Corn Berserkers which are sitting around in a box, um, and I've, I've you know I've put up on my Instagram one of my early conversion attempts that I was very proud of at like that age of a of a, a Chaos Space Marine. Um, Why does yeah, it not I, shock me that even in third edition, when you were a child, that you were a Dirty power gamer back then. <laughs> I like the fact you say dirty power gamer when I literally didn't know the rules. I mean, let's be clear, my gaming experience at that time was I would get the 269 bus. My Southeast London crew are going to know what I'm talking about here, right? I'd get the 269 bus from from where I lived down to uh, down to the Bromley Games Workshop, 
in the glades or next to the glades i guess um and go on a sunday morning go to their like beginners morning and vaguely try and work out how to play 40k and i on it, i cannot tell you that i ever learned to play it properly um but, uh, but yeah i, I gave it a good I, go I, I think when i first started collecting lord of the rings i was literally before we got the the box set or whatever for christmas we used that first white dwarf that we had bought and we like scoured through the barrel port finding bits and pieces of rules that they described and just made up and filled up filled in the gaps and made up the rest nice awesome. i like it that's some pretty cool hobby creativity it explains a lot about where you where you've come from where you've got to rich right <laughs> that your your first experience was basically going we're just going to try and actually run the game ourselves because we don't have access to the rules yeah that's really cool um but yeah very much like you i i gave it up for well like when i basically was about 16 15 maybe um and then got back into it when uh my lovely other half uh my current other half made the terrible terrible error of observing that i was working very hard and i was coming home i was staring at screen all day at work i was coming home and then i was probably staring at screen at home because i was reading on like you know an ipad or i was playing on the playstation or i was just you know watching tv or, or youtube or something and uh, she was like didn't you used to paint little toys when you were a kid I was like, yeah, but I haven't done that for years. And uh, then I bought the um, No No Fear 8th no, edition. What you said was they're not toys. They're <laughs> Excuse me, they're actually highly detailed <laughs> plastic miniatures representative of an, an incredibly deep sci-fi universe. And she went, that's cool, I'm breaking up with you. Uh, no, that didn't happen. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we, I bought No No Fear from the, uh, from the Games Workshop on Tottenham Court Road because um, it was quite funny discovering that there were like basically no GWs in London anymore. Um, and uh, yeah, then things went downhill from there and now i have a room that's filled with many warhams um and frankly my lovely other half regrets it i think continuously so yeah that's, I that's where i am now i absolutely love how many men of our age collected warhammer as a child then gave it up at around about the same age for all the same reason that some people will say what it is and some people will not say what it is it's because you want go you're interested in girls yeah, you, and, you discover you discover the other the other um, the, the other half, right? That's what yeah. it is. So you you do hobby as a child from age of about sort of six, seven, eight up to about fourteen, fifteen. Then you know you you, you grow your first beard hair and you're like oh now i'm interested in women so now, now I'm a man. i must give up these toys of youth yeah exactly and move on to the electronic toys of manhood yeah the game boys and playstations and such manly call toys <laughs> call of duty and um fiat 500s and then <laughs> what you do is you you kind of don't do warhammer for sort of nine years until you find uh you, you find someone with whom to go steady uh, and um, and then, and then... <laughs> you don't have to put the effort in anymore. <laughs> and, and then you don't. This is in the 1950s or and something. Then you, it's just how <laughs> I operate. Jamie. I took I, I took her down for malt shakes, and then we went to the games workshop, and now I can play my miniatures. We've established oh, geez, that I'm ancient. Steady. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you did you take did you take your 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 significant other to a sock hop at any point, Josh, during this whole saga? <laughs> the best thing about this is I'm not for once for once in these conversations I'm not actually the oldest. That is true. For once, Jamie, Wait, I think you just beat age? me. Uh, okay. Yeah. If you, I think if you so. were doing I think it in '93, 
the, the fact I started with the 93 box set kind of gives it away, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I, I was born in 93. Because I was born oh, in... bugger off. <laughs> I was born in 1990. Um, 1985 for me, yeah. So I was... Yeah, the ripe old age of eight when I started. Well, actually seven with Battlemasters. That was, my, let's say, my very first foray. I, I, this is why I think you and I have a particularly close bond now, Jamie, because you've replaced me as the elder statesman as the group. <laughs> does that does that mean he has to be bitter about conversions now? Yes. <laughs> uh, back, in, back in my day, it was never like this. You just stuck with the models you got in the box. <laughs> I think I think we have the picture for this or the thumbnail for this podcast, which is just Jamie's converted model. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's yeah, um, but yes, yeah. So so yeah, that's how I got into it, and then obviously met all these wonderful people and and the rest of the team uh, who make up the Conclave Cinematic Universe, I guess, and uh, have been playing, hobbying, gaming since then, and had a great time. Um, and I think, yeah, I think loads of people have got back into the hobby over the last five years off of the back of, I think, Games Workshop doing very well. And sorry, off the back of what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you know, honestly, do you know what I I will say? um, Well, two things. One, just to your point, Josh, about the experience of, you know, girls exist. Oh, I should probably stop playing with these little models. Right. I would genuinely love to know girls who've played Warhammer for or for pe- pe- people who identify as female who've played Warhammer for a very long time have you gone did you go through a similar experience if you played like played with Warhammer as a, as a kid and then you know puberty comes along did you give it up get back into it I really would be keep be interested to know so if you are listening you do have that drop a comment on the Instagram um we'll, we'll put this out I think on on the Conclave's Instagram um, so Conclave40k on, on Instagram. Um, we do also have an email address, which is uh, VITW40k at uh, gmail.com. So you can email us on that. But yeah, if you're, if you're listening, you identify as female, you went through that experience, really interested to let you know, because that is uh, to, to, to hear from you, because that is something that I think all guys that I've met in the hobby, to Josh's point, say, they all, all have that story pretty much. Except Josh, he carried on doing it because, you know, he's just so badass, it didn't matter. No, I took some time off. I had to learn how to. I had to learn how to play the guitar. Oh right, yeah. So you can you can sing Wonderwall at your miniatures. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All of these things. Because girls weren't going to look at me. (laughs) Being a professional painter or playing guitar, it's a lot easier when you're from the West Country with the extra digits. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's why. It's why, like you know, like the another advantage of having the extra digits is it does mean that I'm able to, you know, like like a double bass pedal because i've got more toes as well so i've just got an, i've just got an, i've got i've got a better grip on 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 things so like i can do the whole one man band thing i have the guitar in front <laughs> and the pedals doing the, the kick drum on my back and all that kind of stuff you also don't need you know that you know they the games workshop sell that the little like holder thing for the miniatures you don't need that because the extra digits just hold the model while you hold it and paint with the other hand exactly it's really easy Explain, explains why he keeps it so steady well exactly yeah when you watch josh's video and you're like how does he do that so look is... closely there's extra fingers in there <laughs> so a little bit of uh behind the screen magic i i actually do have one long salad finger and uh, in, in order to in order to make sure that I don't give the game away about how inbred I am from the West Country, what I do before I do any filming is I paint that finger green, 
and then I use a green screen effect to edit it out so that you don't see you don't see my freakish deformity. <laughs> there you go. It's that level of secrets that you're looking uh, for. Yeah, you're also green screening Hidalgo's actually actual videos of painting miniatures as well. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I do as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just, I basically just have a Photoshop filter that slowly changes things from grey to heavy metal. Uh, I'm, I've painted nothing in in the last twenty six years. Not one pot of paint has been has been opened, and no, not one single brushstroke applied. Everything that I say in my videos lies. No, I'm joking. It's all truth. Somehow we go to tournaments. You've managed to trick us. Um mind fuck us all to see the models even though they're not actually painted or built it's amazing exactly i just convince you hard enough yeah. with, <laughs> i mean you won the last tournament that, that you guys went to that's true with, yeah, with an unpainted army if you, if, it's actually it's all it's all just really good um, pr- cardboard cutouts like you know like in the background of like old movies when they used to do western towns and it was just it's like a set front there's nothing to it josh's models are like that if you look at them from the right angle they're, they're like a millimeter thin Including the other 50 opponents as well. That's how he won the tournament. They were all cardboard. They were all cardboard as well, yeah. Absolutely. It was a great tournament. We sold a lot of tickets, but only to Josh. Yeah. That's how I win, by default. You walk into Darkspring, you're like, hang on a minute, why is Michael Buble playing at table four? (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, there's Pierce Brosnan. Hang on, are these all just celebrity cardboard cutouts? I had a friend of mine the other day. The dispute that was the that was the really weird part about it. Um, that went on for some time. Just <laughs> argue, arguing, in my, arguing between myself and my imagination. Um, no, I had I had a friend the other day who was um, saying to me whether or not I would be interested in working with him to create um, uh, basically model wraps. So you know how you you can get you can wrap your car. The, the idea was is that you would create a wrap by basically like having it digitally drawn on the material that you use to create the wrap, what the model should look like. You then loosely wrap the model with it, then apply a hairdryer to shrink it right up. <laughs> That's going to lead some horrific models. And, and thus the model, and thus the model is painted. And I said that 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 would work. Is it in painted? <laughs> Go on. It's, like, it's not really painted as much as just has something around it. I was like that. What you're what you're saying there is is the equivalent of a temporary tattoo. Is what you're saying is what you're after. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. They're called slide. They're called decals. He's like, no, no. But I'm talking a full model temporary tattoo that you can just wrap around it and it's all good to go. And I was like, I don't, I don't think it would fly in the community. If I'm honest, my friend. You just hold it's up this horrible, up. horrible monstrosity, and you're like, "Behold, my space marine captain!" And he's just like, "Please kill me! It hurts to live." It just looks like a model that's like, <laughs> also like, it enclosed. has to be. It would have to be custom made for single pose miniatures. Yep. So you'd have to buy each one individually, rather than, and you can only use it once for that specific model. So you can't use any multi-pose, and you can't reuse anything like you can with paints. Yep. Uh, his follow-up response to that was, well, the way you build your army is you go into a games workshop in various different disguises to have an intro, because then you get the same model over and over and over again. <laughs> 
it's like someone who has the most like it's like let's do a video on how to do the cheapest space marine army and it's just one every single miniature and then his army is just that intro space marine <laughs> going in with slight variations on a fake mistake Hello, hello. <laughs> I'm interested in the show of War before the day. It's like, oh, are you, sir? Yeah, you've you never been in before. No, 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 Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. You know, can I have two bottles of bleach, please? It's, you know, it's four lions, sir. That's the style of, uh, of, of building an army. It doesn't make, it doesn't make an entire amount of sense. Oh god, yeah. So let let's not do that uh, with with way to ruin our miniatures. Um, but look, given we are talking about the what if word miniatures, and Josh is desperately trying to hair dryer one of these horrible raplings onto something so he can put it on his channel and pretend he's painting it. What are we all working on at the moment? Because I know we are we are hobbying, and it's one thing we'll be doing while we do this podcast. We'll be hobbying away on various projects. So look, why don't we start? Given that he's but midway through with uh, Mister Reza, what are you working on? I am currently brushing a, a load of Blood Angels Red on a devilfish. Hmm, that's nice. So very nice. It's it's uh, it's I pretty much used a whole bottle. It's gone from red space yeah, marines um, to red. Yeah, I have a fish. problem where I have too many red armies. Can I think about it? My space marines are red. My tower red. So my sisters have red on them. My my Ashamatara basically red, and am I forgetting about any other army? Oh, and the one dragon I painted for Stormcast is a red and black dragon. So I think I like the color red. Oh, and I also work for a company that is red. So yeah, you're also a Man United yeah, fan. I'm an Arsenal fan. Man United fan. Red. I don't know. I mean, That's to be fair, most of my armies seem to be either like turquoise or green at the moment. So yeah. Do you, do, you, do you lot have like a favourite? Do you find that your favourite colour you paint a lot more of? I mean, that kind of feels like a silly question. I mean, should be yes, but... like I, 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 I deliberately try and vary my my colour scheme sometimes. So like, I realised I was basically painting a lot of black, white, and red. So like, my sisters are predominantly black with like white detailing and red detailing on them, and obviously gold as well. Um, and my my Space Marines are predominantly purple. My custodies are white. Uh, my Chaos Knights and Chaos Space Marines are like kind of a variation on Black Legion. So they are black, gold, and in this case, they have a turquoise shoulder pad because to show the sort of link to the, the um, Sons of Horus, because I think they're cool. Uh, my Thousand Sons are metallic Thousand Sons. So they're the kind of bluey, greeny color. Um, and my Tyranids are orange. So I've gone. I'm going. I'm basically doing like taste the rainbow in in miniatures. Yeah. I'm actually, my, one army for every color. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My well, my Votan, my Votan are actually that I'm, I'm working on at the moment are red, and I went for red because I was like, I actually don't have a predominantly red army. And also, to be fair, because Josh did an excellent tutorial on um, how to do the the various different. Um, Votan uh, leaks and the red and blue guys, the Ymir, look really, really nice. And also, everyone else is doing the white and orange, the Trans Hyperion Alliance, which looks really, really, really cool, to be fair. But I already have like orange and yellow Tyranids, so I wanted to do something a bit different. So, and, and the recipe. Sponsored by EE. The one sponsored by E. That's Josh's personal army. Oh, okay. That's my that's my personal army. That is, you know, leagues of Votan, the Great Ethereum League, powered by E. E. And that is how I will always introduce them, and how I insist my opponent will pronounce the name of the army. 
Um, you know, it's it's like you know, everyone always just shortens the name of uh, Wembley Stadium, but it is Wembley Stadium powered by EE. Um, they, they don't pay all they don't pay all that money to have the sponsorship for you to go around not saying it out loud. You know what I mean? Much like your feelings about converting models, you have very strong feelings about fully using the the corporate sponsor name of whatever you're attending. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's also because I'm a pedantic twat. (laughs) (laughs) I never would have known that about you had you not mentioned it. Hang on. This is, this is like when you said, what was it? The, the age of Sigma box set that had some ludicrously long full name. Yeah. The uh, the uh, the the original Age of Sigma core box. It just people always called it the Age of Sigma box. It's not. It was called Age of Sigma: Mighty Battles in an Age of Unending War. That was its full title. A bit wordy, isn't it? Yeah, it's like Indomitus is Warhammer Forty Thousand Indomitus. It's fine because that's that's all that's written on the front of the box. But written on the front of the Age of Sigma core box was Age of, Warhammer Age of Sigma: Mighty Battles in an Age of Unending War. So that is what you must refer to it. You know, like I said, people don't pay all this money. You don't pay all this money to uh, to, to 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 have your brand put on something. Like, does anyone know what the the full name of the London Eye is right now? Well, it used to be the British yeah. Airways London Eye, didn't it? And it's cha- probably changed now. Lidl by London Eye. No, no. I, I, I believe it is sponsored by lastminute.com. So you should be referring to the London Eye as the lastminute.com London Eye. That sounds like a really weird... Oh, yeah, okay. I, this, this, is, this has just reminded me of a, a thing I saw that made me chuckle in the week, which was a flavour of crisps in the US. Uh, that are um, well, they're they're onion rings, and they're flavoured after a thing called Funyuns, which is like a, I guess like an onion flavoured thing in the US. And the full name on the front of the box is Lay's Wavy Funyuns Onion Flavoured Funyuns Onion Flavoured Rings. <laughs> if you just read the text on the front, that's what you get. So I feel like oh, that's really one for you. Oh yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. It just comes from again me being slightly pedantic it's, it's like when i used to an- annoy um a couple of friends of mine when there was a reboot of the famous us show 90210 but there's no dots between it so it's actually 90,210 <laughs> <laughs> oh that's something i would do that's brilliant like the oc is fine because there's dots between it it's an abbreviation it's the oc otherwise there's the orange county but no 90,210 mm-hmm. should be referred to as 90,210 <laughs> there you go you learn something new god, every day, you, god you must have been a fucking pain at school <laughs> I really was. <laughs> Within a pedantic hobby, you're probably the most pedantic that I've actually met. This is just quite an award. But he, like, and I do it all really for the band. About the things you do, like you, you, you don't really magnetize models, do, do you? No. Um, well, what else? Oh, you're you're very like a stickler for uh, the right company markings and stuff. Yeah, love a company marking, love a box art miniature, love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, but yeah, but I I would say you 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 you. This is now just turning into the 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 let's all pick on Josh podcast. We're not going to do that. But what I will say is that you I I view that as a positive thing. No, yeah, your I, thing I is because your your thing is not like 
you're, you're not one of those people that like if someone puts down their like own painted army that is genuinely at a table and goes like oh yeah these are being played as and this is like a perennial topic in 40k so you know we might as well talk about it while we're here but you know you, you put down an army that's painted in a particular color scheme right and it's just a generic like their own personal one and they say oh yeah i'm playing uh, these are like raven guard or something you're not the kind of person that's like, oh, actually they're not painted as raven guard the closest thing they are to is in fact the castellans of the rift so you have to uh, play them as that right yeah, no. yours is more like a positive like if someone's put the effort in and been like yeah this is actually the you know fourth company of the ultramarines or something you're like damn son that's really cool yeah like my my thing is like if you if you if you if you have a what 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 I what I do is right if someone puts down an army where they've painted let's say an ultramarines army and they've painted it green and they've bought Marnius Calgar and they've bought Rabute Gilliman and they've painted them green as well if they put them down and they say oh this is my chapter master Carnius Malgar I'm like cool. If they put that person down and go, that's Marius Calgar, I go, no, it isn't. There's Marius Calgar is the chapter master of the Ultramarines. What is the name of this army? Oh, these are my, as you say, Castellas of the Rift. And it's like, right, so who's their chapter master? Is it Marius Calgar? No, it fucking ain't. It's Carnius Malgar. We it's, all know that. It, it's Car- I don't, I, I, honestly, if you go, oh, this is Carnius Malgar, and then you go, oh, and I'm going to be using the Ultramarines codexes. I like this. I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm on board. What I, what I kind of go, no, it isn't, is is when it's like if somebody puts down an Ultramarines army and goes, these are Iron Hands, I'm like, they're clearly not. They're... Yeah, no, I, get I that. feel like if it's if it's very easily recognizable, that's a point that most people go, yeah, you need to play it as it actually yeah. looks like, but only on those like chapters that everyone can. Yeah. Sort of it comes recognize. down to that discussion of how far does WYSIWYG go. And and, and, I, and I would suggest that WYSIWYG goes as far as the paint job. Like, you know, if and there are some that are truly recognisable. As you say, there are some that are just completely recognisable as... Oh, Space Marines are a great example. Yeah, of, I, I, I feel like Space Marines and, to a certain extent, Care Space Marines probably get it the worst because they're the most recognisable because they're, you know, poster childs yeah. of the of the edition, all yeah. that sort of stuff. But where I would get frustrated was, uh, the thing I really got frustrated with in 8th edition was the amount of Cadian armies that were actually Katachan. Back back in 7th edition, there was a lot of people switching between different Space Marine chapters. They're like, oh, here is like, you're clearly Dark Angels army that's, you're playing as Ultramarines. Yeah. Yeah, because of the various formations and stuff, right? I did, yeah, because they kept on switching around. I did a live stream the other day because they were saying they were playing tau empire i clicked on and it was a, clearly a far sight army and it just ruined the immersion of the battle report for me so i just turned it off yeah so i kind of, I, I really get your point um, yeah and i know i know no, not everyone agrees with me on that because you know it is what it is but it's like i, th- I think that's more the consensus these days is like if it's clearly recognizable then you should probably play it as that but you do see a lot more people going it's like oh here's my custom force that i can use as, as whatever and yeah that's cool yeah yeah, where I would draw the line is if that green chapter had, um, you know, Marnius Calgar, and it also had um, Iron Father Pharos in it, and they were like, "Yeah, this is." Uh, this what about is what about, Ag- what about what about Agrax Earthshade or whatever he's called? The uh, the guy from Agrax Agatone. Agatone. Yeah. Oh, that's his new name. That's brilliant. Yeah. 
I crack earth shades. Like I said, they're, yeah, they're yeah. all fine, but you couldn't put them what? all on the tabletop. The rules actually prohibit you from doing that. As was well my <laughs> point, my point as well is that as was about like you know about Cadians and Catachans. Plastic. There is a range of Catachans that you can buy. So put yeah, they've got that amazing <laughs> sergeant that I love. It doesn't yeah. matter that they've got their weird-looking models. The models exist. The models exist. It's not like, okay, and this is maybe a slightly touchy subject, but it's not like, you know, putting down an army of first-born space marines and going, these are Adeptus Sororitas. It's like, <laughs> no, they're not. I feel like, so I get where you're coming from, but I feel like it's perhaps more excusable for older armies that are out of print, say, like... I don't think Talan and Valhallans still like the metal models yes. exist, but they're not selling them. Yes. I would love to see those armies on the table yes. as opposed to people using Cadians. I agree. I'm fine with it if people are using them. I agree. I agree. Except Rich, Catachans, you can I still will agree buy. with you on Catachans. <laughs> yeah, which is where I was going to, and I agree on Catachans. I love that you guys are having this very serious debate, and I'm just laughing my head off because I just Googled terrible Catachan model, and it's just him, the guy with the <laughs> Just like the awful, awful paint job, but he's just like, help me, father. With the biceps, with the biceps that are more like quadceps. <laughs> yeah, too many muscles. Four, four muscles where his biceps should be. It's amazing. It's absolutely he's amazing. that. He's that swole. He's so swole. He's got muscles on muscles. What more do you want? That's a true Catachan right there. Oh yeah, he knows how to survive a death world. Is that the same one with the eyes going in two different directions as well? <laughs> So you can see all his enemies. You can see people yeah, going yeah, in any keep, direction, like a comedian. Keeping his eye out for some Tyranids are coming his way. <laughs> yeah. where, where's the shooting coming from, Sergeant? Over there. Yeah, where's there? Where I'm looking. What, so? <laughs> any, anywhere in a sort of 270-degree radius, frankly. Oh, dear. No. Um, Cam Chans are actually <laughs> just secretly adapting into chameleons with eyes on the other side of their heads. Yeah, that just constantly swivel, yep. constantly looking yep. everywhere. There's gonna be, we're gonna get comments on this. It's gonna be someone who's like Catachan players. Like, how dare you besmirch the mighty Catachans? Hey, Catachans, cool. Love a Catachan. They are, they are cool. They are cool. They kind of need some more models, though. Like, they do. Like, they do. When they have updated, like the individual characters, they look stunning. Now just do that for the whole army. Oh yeah, that that colonel. I mean, when I when I Google. Catachan model, he comes up. The Catachan Colonel is an absolute baller. Sergeant Ripper the guy Jackson with the... as well. Sergeant Ripper Jackson, yeah, great model. Sergeant Ripper Jackson, yeah. They're, they're both like absolutely, they're sweet models. The guy with the, the binos and the power uh, power fist. Yeah, they're fantastic. Oh, he's, yeah, hopefully a sign of things to come. Um, and then, you know, we'll be seeing more of that soon, hopefully. Yeah, so um, let's talk about the new Cadian Shock Troopers that were announced. Um... <laughs> We, I mean, we can do. No, I was I was being a dick. I like them. I <laughs> no, no, cool. I, I really like, I like the them, new yeah. Cadians, but we're talking about hopefully getting Catachans on the eve of the new Cadians. <laughs> but, yeah, but I, I well, but they 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 are, and you know, look, we're going to do we're we're on the subject. We're going to do a tangent. We'll talk about hobby, what what hobby and on as we go through naturally. But let's talk about it, right? So we've just had 
the previews. We've just had the 35th anniversary. They've announced this Kadia stands box, which looks very cool. A whole bunch of new guard stuff. We've got the guard codex on the way. Rich is obviously very excited for Rough Riders. Josh is very excited for Rough Riders because he's going to turn them into um, some sort of Cities of Sigmar knight model. Um, like, I'm going to turn what, them into what? Sons of Bayamat. <laughs> Literally, just glue, glue eight of them together in a stack. <laughs> no, just put them all on the appropriate size base and go. There you go, King Broad. <laughs> just, just, just a horse in the middle of a hundred and twenty mil base. You go. There you go. That's, there you go, King Broad. It's a, it's a big horse. That's my Kraken eater Mega Gargan. Going to kick an objective away. It's not oh, the right dear. height. Oh, hang on. Let me stack them all up on top of each other, and then you can. <laughs> To be a fair. really big rock maybe <laughs> what I'll do maybe what I'll do is I'll buy a couple of boxes of the Athlan Rough Riders stack them up then green stuff a big coat over the top of them just leaving <laughs> just leaving one head that's uh, that you can see out the top and can, go, you, can you, you please garden. leave the coat can you leave the coat open at the front when you make it out of green stuff so there's literally just a stack of about 15 horses heads poking out of the front of the coat yes <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, no, that would be that would be. I, you know what? If you do that, if you turn up at a tournament, like I, I would love to learn. And when I have some more room, I probably will get into AOS properly. Um, I would love to turn up at a tournament, just have someone do that. Be like, yeah, it's a, it's a giant. Yeah, I, I think it's actually that, fifteen but... horses in a trench coat, but still. I think if you're going to do that, everything in your army has to be things in trench coats. Oh yeah. Like oh yeah, just have another <laughs> one that's like 150 noblars in a trench coat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I have thought about this as a thing. In, in I thought about doing a knight's army that was kind of like that, but you just had like a you know like a Acadian officer's head sticking out the top, um, and you have like the sleeves of the trench coat coming down over the top of the uh, Reaper train chainsword, but actually it's just the chainsword sticking out the end of the sleeve, um, and so on and so forth. Well, I mean, look, what what is everybody's sort of favourite? bit and it can be imperial guard related or not but what was everybody's sort of favorite bit from the reveals we've had i know it was a little bit a while ago now but we had the we had warhammer day for the 30th anniversary so what was what was what was everybody's sort of favorite thing i guess rich you can start because i imagine it's just going to be Atalan rough riders well, mine was the that the, just the whole box announcement i really like the the new placement heavy weapon teams uh that they look really cool uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So I'll go with that. Just start that whole box set. So basically, the whole reveal. <laughs> I'm the same as you, though. Like my favorite is is you know those three big guns. Yeah, yeah. It's not the it's not the mortar and it's not the big las cannon. It's the other one that just looks the, like a how it's the field yeah, gun. Yeah, 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 the field gun that looks really That's cool. The fit of my army aesthetic so much. Yeah, the I'm like so the field ordnance battery. I think it's yeah. called or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That looks like it could just shoot you from fourth tables away. you could cover that in a trench coat and call it a shadow sword <laughs> <laughs> I, I think oh, for me yeah. the the new kazakans are just fantastic from, from kill team yeah the kill team ones i mean in 40k as well but they were always some of my favorites um like imperial guard models and favorite was like stormtroopers before the scions came in and see them come mm. back now but in a new sort of plastic i think there's a lot of opportunity. I think they make a lot really of good stormcast. You think they make really good stormcast? <laughs> well, see, storm I was going to say well, they would make really good um, inquisitorial stormtroopers. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that's bad. <laughs> because I'm, my, I just really want an inquisitorial codex at this point. But it's, this my is the closest I can get. 
My favourite one from that box is the one that still clearly thinks that being a demolitions expert is relevant in the world of 40k. Yeah, the one that's you know the one that's wearing that. What's the film called with Jeremy Renner? Oh, uh, I know that one. Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. Yeah. Do you know the one that's in like a sort of a half? Yeah, yeah. The, the bomb suit. Bomb yeah. suit. Yeah. I love that somebody somewhere in the Adeptus Ministorum still think that that's going to help in the universe of 40k. It, sure, it'll help with defusing <laughs> a frag grenade that you accidentally threw. But if, if, like, it's not going to stop a squig. Um, it's not going to stop a squig. It's not going to stop a plasma charge. It's not going <laughs> to stop a melt bomb. <laughs> no. so, I mean, it's, it's like all armor. It just makes them feel a little bit better about themselves, but it's not going to stop anything. No, that's true. Yeah, no, he, yeah, yeah, he, he, he looks cool though. I like it. I don't know. They're a cool looking team, the, the Kazakin. No, I love it. That's why I love I think, I think it's ridiculous and I think it's wonderful. It's, it's, like, it's nice to, it's nice to see them back as well. Though, in like, a nutshell, right? It's ridiculous, but it's awesome. It's like, it's <laughs> yeah. like the, it's that, like that's, the various, that's the subtitle. It's like the various, um, human medics that carry around the equivalent of a football physio's, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and a single blood pack just yeah. so, he's, so you know they're a medic he's yeah. been gored by a hormigant give him a slice of orange and rub his knee he'll be back up in like 20 minutes he'll be fine Private Jenkins has pulled a hammy oh god go on give him the magic sponge <laughs> <laughs> oh dear yeah it just just like the, the the extent to which regular humans think they can survive in the universe is uh, is is bold and frankly it's what makes the uh, the guard endearing right Absolutely. 100%. Did you have a particular highlight, Rich, at Gotkin? <laughs> <laughs> From the guard stuff. Did you turn into a robot so for a moment there? <laughs> I realised that saying Rich just means, like, you know, whichever answer's quickest. And I only realised that an hour into the podcast. We just, end up, we just end up in a doom loop where we just constantly go back between one of them. <laughs> it's not like the London Underground announcer thing that just like t- says every um, syllable completely differently, right? Oh, you know what though? You know what though? I'll give the London Underground complete tangent, but I'll give the London Underground announcer a, a, a bit of kudos, right? When the London Underground talks, it, it just sounds neutral or vaguely excited. You know, like mind <laughs> the gap, right? Like it's it's serious. It's talking about it. I know they only have that one station now, Embankment, but you know, like the next station is I don't know Whopping. Change right. here for blah, 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 blah. Yeah, whatever, right? It just sounds like functional. Obviously, it's very specific to me. I don't know why I'm telling this anecdote, but anyone who's listening that's ever been there or is from there, the Toronto Underground has the single most miserable announcer I've ever heard on a metro system anywhere on this planet. She is utterly depressed to be there. She she, she hates her job, clearly, because literally when it pulls into a station or when it's about to pull into a station, what you get is, <clears throat> this is Arsington. The next station is Arsington. Change for train services to Arsington. blah blah blah. There's a place called Ossington. Ossington. A O O S I N G T O N. But literally, it's like that. It's like Royal York. This says Royal York. Like it's just, oh god, it's so depressing. It's like no wonder nobody wants to take the transit in Toronto. Like have a bit of jazz, have a bit of excitement. Although, although that can go too far. When I used to get when I used to work at Canary Wharf. Um, there was a, a, a an American or certainly somebody from North America who used to be on the platform in the morning. And let me tell you, you've never experienced the s- cynical joy 
of watching you know what 400 brits get off a train or 400 people living in the uk get off an underground train at the jubilee line canary war station and just all collectively groan as soon as you hear welcome to the world famous <laughs> canary war for having a beautiful morning here today literally that's what it was like and everybody was like oh you are too jolly for this time of the morning be quiet <laughs> Sorry, that was a little foray into, into transit there. Um, so, Jay, what about you? What were you excited by from the uh, the announcement? So I think I can probably explain right away by saying I've started a new 40k army. That's, Ooh, um, that's not a 40k corn... army, is it? Well, <laughs> the, the thing is, mate, that the corn bloodbound I found without any conversion efforts at all make really good welding to the cultists um, and other things. So that's 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 why that box is there. Um, and yeah, so for me, the um, the new uh, corn lords on the juggernauts, um, and it's great because what I can do is have two of them as well because there's one in AOS too. So I'll be able to convert that one up too. Um, but this one that they're going you. to release, I'll probably buy at some point as well. Um, and yeah, so I, it's the corn lord. I can't remember his name. They've given him a particular name. To me, he's just a corn lord on the juggernaut because we used to have them back in the old days um, in very monopose static and it was a bundle of lead that you could easily knock people out with um like very i think it's like lord invocatus or something like that yeah lord Lord invocatus yeah Yeah. that's the one so lord invocatus oh he looks so fantastic i mean it and weirdly as well when uh when you were describing earlier on your excitement or the, the way that you like to paint loads of different colors um i just decided i wanted a break from painting blood angels by instead painting world eaters so um, slightly really different can't. red absolutely something with even less variation also angry color. marines that run at you uh, yeah i don't i don't really like variety i like to do the same thing a lot so um but jamie my so uh, i have a world eaters army that i'm doing uh, as well so i think we're like the same person i know we're both arsenal fans we both love blood angels we both love world eaters um we're, we're going to get along dickheads. famously, aren't we, really? <laughs> um, and then the other, the only other thing I will say as well is I'm super excited for boarding actions as well because um, I adore, you know, Space Hawk was one of the first things that um, I started playing with friends properly because back when second edition was around and the rules were so differently dense to what they are now um, and involved, <laughs> you know, tables and stuff like that. Um, um, Space Hawk was a little bit more accessible for us. And there was a computer version too. And um, the idea of playing Space Hawk-like games, um, especially because mm. I'm a massive, I love infantry. Um, I'm not really a kind of a tanks guy at all. Um, that's that's going to be super, super interesting, I think. So really excited for, for that too. I'm with you on that. I'm really excited for it. Just as a question for the rest of the podcast, seeing as this is our kind of inaugural episode, are we going to spend time um, telling each other about the spectacularly bad hot takes that we've seen around things that are coming? <laughs> I mean, we might as well, because they're normally quite funny. Because <laughs> I've seen some spectacular hot takes about boarding actions. Right, let's go. Let's 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 get into the, the 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 spice. What is what is the hot takes that you've seen? Has anybody else seen any before I jump in? Because no, I've I've been shielded like a like a baby. I mean, so it's all about the hot takes. I've seen all been about characters and Primarchs. Oh, okay, so. interesting. No, the the spectacular hot takes I've seen about boarding actions is that it's um. It's obvious of GW trying to steal all of your money because it's the next season. Um, except for the fact that 
it's a completely different way to play the game and it's not the grand tournament mission pack and therefore it's not a season pack. But I've seen people saying um, that um, Games Workshop is trying to uh, trying to bankrupt all of the War- Warhammer clubs by forcing them to throw out all their old terrain to buy the new boarding action stuff because you won't be able to play 40k uh, going forward I mean, of the boarding I- actions book. <laughs> Certainly, is, though, you are a corporate shill, aren't you, Josh? You get free stuff, so I, I, somebody, that is true. I think we could probably do with the <laughs> independent voices of reason on this. You know, I've had that a, I listened true. to spiky bits the other day, so I'm probably yes, better because because when City Fight came out, we all threw out every other piece of terrain that we had. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, I was I was actually staggered by that because you know when the when the arcs of Omen was released, they said these are not ma- matched play rules, so. Um, you know, I love the accessibility <laughs> of it as well. Actually, as somebody, like that, yeah, somebody who runs club nights, I'm really excited about the idea that actually we can do it with less terrain and terrain that we have from other game systems like Necromunda and Kill Team and stuff like that, mm. um, and do some creative stuff with it and be able to get 500 point games in there as well, which are brilliant to get people playing more than one game on one night and really socializing and stuff. It just seems really exciting to me. I think so, 100%. from somebody who you know, run kind of runs club nights and um, quite the opposite opinion i think it's gonna be ideal for us to be honest and much better than trying to fill the place with loads and loads of great big ruin stacks and stuff which is i completely agree i mean imagine imagine the possibilities right like if if um if uh let's say battlefleet gothic makes a comeback at some point at that point you could, in theory, run a like narrative event where you literally cover segments of an entire planetary war. Yeah, you can have a Battlefleet Gothic game going on. You can have a boarding action going on, which involves one of the, the which like involves ships that aren't necessarily involved in that engagement, but are involved in a different engagement, and the outcome of that is important because I don't know, maybe it stops an orbital bombardment. You could have kill team stuff going on on the ground. You can have not, like forty k match play type stuff happening on the ground, be it in ruins or be it on like a, just an open battlefield. You can even have Adeptus Titanicus and Aeronautica Imperialis going on. And it's all on the same planet and it's all happening at the same time. And, and no matter what system you play, I mean that that I'm I'm giving out here this would be like that would be like my dream. I would I would love to run something like that. Like literally have a huge venue, right? And 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 just be have basically say, look, we have a bunch of people who are like chaos, and you know, it would to be fair, it would have to be um, a bit like so the the event that we talked about. Uh, I, I, we were discussing actually just before recording, which which Jamie helped organise fairly recently for the um, for the gaming guild, which I went to, which was like a narrative day event where we had a bunch of people who were like chaos and allies, Imperium and allies, and we were fighting over a planet and we had a bunch of games and it determined a victor at the end of it. Right. And that will then drive future events. But that kind of thing, I think is just awesome. I think what's like it's, cool it's about so this interesting as well is you can do that cross system and cross yeah, environmental so stuff, which I, you know, I absolutely love that too. I remember when I was a kid, I started writing campaigns and stuff largely because we also had a couple of guys who played Epic. So it's like, right, you guys play Epic and then that will affect, we'll do the little detail levels. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I love the idea with board and action that the difference between that and when you try and do cross system otherwise, which can be a bit more difficult because you you have diff, you quite often have different people playing different stuff. You know, you could have kill teams mm-hmm. playing a kill team environment, but not everybody that plays 40K also plays kill team. If this is based on the same mechanics and the same models, people have the opportunity to do it themselves. You don't have to have 
one set of guys do stuff that affects other sets of, uh, of, of folks. You can have, actually, you know, we've got a load of guys and girls that are going to play um, some uh, some kind of fights in, in a larger environment, and then all of a sudden they've stormed the bunker, and in they go into the bunker, and you then follow on with uh, with this kind of next layer of that um, of that campaign. It's just super, super fun on the outside. So I'm really keen to see what the rules are, but I think everything yeah. that's been advertised is perfect. Yeah, I'm ag- I agree. I absolutely agree. I, 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 think, it's, I think it's really exciting. I, for me, I think... Yeah, for me, I think one of the most appealing things is that it's, I think it's supposed to be at a small points level. Yeah, it's about yeah. 1,500, isn't it? So that's... Yeah, I, mean, I love small points games... Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was smaller, like more yeah, 500 to 1,500 or so. Because I really actually quite like that level of game. I agree. I think I think that's a better way of playing the game anyway. Particularly for playing... Yeah. This is the thing, I think, about boarding actions, which is why it's a spectacularly bad hot take, is that boarding actions... No, no, seriously, this is like... No, I agree with you, I just think it's true. There's so many, like, there's, like, the bad... Maybe we should make this a regular feature of Voice in the Warp. We do, like, the, the, the bad the bad take, bad cast. Like, we pick on a, a hot take out there. Let's go for a little bit of controversy. We won't name them where they come from, but we pick a bad take and tell, tell you why we think it's a bad hot take. Yeah. No, so what I think is that with boarding actions, actually, if it goes down to, like, let's say 500 or 750 points... Um, because of the nature of boarding actions and playing anything when it comes to what's it called uh, zone mortalis it makes for a much more competitive game system than two 2000 point armies that sit across a battlefield of, of the same nine ruins and pummel the shit out of each other um it, it which which you know has had its problems in ninth edition smaller games on really dense terrain Makes for a much more competitive game system. Do you know it's what... it's it's five hundred points, by the way. I just I was I was looking at the articles yeah. from from preview day while while you were chatting, and yeah, it's five hundred points, which I think, and it, you know, maybe I'm a bit biased because I like going to combat patrol tournaments that, that are running. Well, you keep winning, them, I don't think, you, Adam. That's the problem. Yeah, um, yeah. We're going to rig, it, why, against, <laughs> we're gonna rig it against you next time. Hence why I said the bias. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> I mean, I was, I was I was the one that wrote those rules. <laughs> anyone like anyone well, whose name but... begins with A and ends with Damn Robbins gets a, a handicap <laughs> of minus thirty points for every game. Oh uh, no, no! But what I was going to say is the the I like them because I think they I think they make you think about your army in a completely different way because you you don't have access to the buffs and the synergies that you rely on at two thousand points, and you're also not doing the thing you that like matched play has kind of evolved into which is just like i have built my army to do secondaries a b c possibly d or e depending on opponent and that is it and that's what it does and i'm 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 gonna play the game to just do that and i'm i'm not gonna do anything that's you know look that's not to criticize that necessarily that is the way that the the very super competitive guys who are amazing at the game that is how they have to think about it because that's how they win you know, and that's what—that's how the like top level of match play works. But I do like it when there's like you know alternative ways of playing. So the fact that this is going to be like an official system, and I know combat patrol is a thing, but like the fact that this is going to be an official, completely different system where it's going to be like, no, you have five hundred points. Do with that as you will. And yeah. also, you know, as you say, you're not—you're not, you're not going to combat patrol isn't really a thing. No, yeah, I suppose so as well. Very, very. Oh, I was just going to say that combat patrol isn't really a thing. I've had. 
I had made those rules from like some previous rules that existed at other events and the old 40k and 40 minutes rules, but it's not actually an official rule set as per. And also, mm, I think the, the other key thing that, well, the other bit I want to see, we've already, I think they've touched on it. They haven't really talked about it properly yet, but we'll see obviously when it comes along. 500 points. I get, I, I mean, I'm slightly different angle to yourself, Josh. Bloody love 2k and um, competitive games, but the difference with, 500 points at the moment is it can be extraordinarily swingy. Um, mm-hmm. And a big part of that is, and some armies do interact really, really badly in, in at 500 oh, points. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. think a dedicated rule set for 500 points um, to me feels like it's not so much that 500 points right now is very competitive. I actually think it's kind of the opposite. It's super swingy and, and very, even, even between two evenly matched armies, it's just such a small, um, game size and the game is balanced towards a 2k game agree causes problems but i think if you if you pare that down and you limit the types of units and and so on it bec- there's something really compelling they could do with it so as long as they deliver it well and looking at what gw have done rules wise aside from codexes and stuff which we know have had issues um i i kind of trust them that you know when you look at the gt packs and the way they've improved throughout this edition hopefully they'll they'll get that bang on and we'll we'll see something really good but certainly, I think as a as a, another thing as well, it gives us something different to do for as a club. Again, we do loads of um, we've started doing beginners doubles nights where each player brings along five hundred points. You know, again, it's brilliant for beginners. They get to learn a bit about their army. They get to decide whether that five hundred points is an army that they want to continue to two thousand points, or they might want to switch it up. This gives yet another you know functional way to do something for beginners, which is brilliant in a game that sometimes can be very focused rules-wise on those big battles that actually are really impenetrable for new folk. Agreed. Mm. Absolutely agreed. Like, I'm hoping what it has is it has uh, a rule in there that's like, yes, you're playing at 500 points, so you actually can't spend more than a quarter of your points total on a single unit. Yeah. Um, Because that's where 500 points falls down, right? If you can bring 10 Terminators and a Baden in 500 points, which I know you can't, but if you could bring... Yeah, Adam. If you could could bring 10 Terminators and a Baden in, which, again, is too many points. It would be, what, 700 points? Like, if you could bring 10 10 Terminators and a Chaos Lord... That that would make boarding actions yeah. a little bit um, unfair because it'd just be this death ball that roams around the corridors doing. <laughs> also, excuse me, Jamie. I think you'll find it was actually Mortarian plus uh, ten pox walkers. Uh, I, I actually realised that totally wrong in terms of the person I was identifying. It was actually Rich. Rich Rich brought to our our, um, our um, <laughs> oh, narrative yeah, event. Did, did specifically said in the pack you cannot bring a model with more than thirteen wounds. He, uh, sorry, more than twelve wounds. I think it was. To specifically exclude stuff like um, a Grey Knight, Dread Knight, um, or whatever they're called, and That's yeah, right, yeah, but you but you brought one anyway, didn't you? Um, yeah, so, but to be fair, uh, the punishment probably made it worse for me in the end because I was operating on a worse bracket. So what what you did is made me act on my second bracket from the straight away, and I played it with twelve wounds. Uh, to be honest, the only reason I think I did so well is because in a five hundred point game. As a green knight, you have a dread knight. You should really have a dread knight. That's kind yeah. of it. Yeah. I have a dread knight. Also, also, you are you're you're active in every phase. So armies that can uh, shoot psychic and fight, you're kind of having an advantage over. Like if you played against a tower army in a five point game, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, something yeah. I think cool about boarding action when I first saw it, I thought of Deathwing. So imagine you had a, like a group of five people with like a, like a character they really liked versus another person with maybe like a 
a thousand fifteen hundred point army and you just tooled up the characters to maybe try and fight through the the spaceship or the whatever the boarding action bunker is that'd be like a really cool little like almost D D mm. meets warhammer game yeah you, you could almost do like a role-playing like element yeah. to it as well right which would be really cool um what one thing i will say i i i, I agree with everything you guys have said I, I actually hope that this is successful and i hope it develops sure it will be but i hope it develops and i hope we get like more different terrain because this is it's all like like i guess the inside of an imperial ship like a human ship like chaos or otherwise right or, or imperial i guess imperial really but it'd be really cool if this does really well if they expand it over time so we have like the inside of like eldari ships or the inside of tower ships or something so we can get different boarding actions yeah, yeah, like and you can have really kind of a set that yeah that like goes with your army that'd be really cool i will say as well there's a really 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 and if people have go to go to warhammercommunity.com if, if you're listening and you, you have a computer in front of you or your phone and if you go to the the warhammer day reveals where they talk about boarding actions there is a photo sort of midway down the page which i really love um and it's a picture of a bunch of imperial guard fighting um like tyranids like a load of gene stealers and and uh, termagants and stuff but what's really funny is there's a uh, a brood lord and a bunch of gene stealers who are just otherwise in a completely sealed room in the center and there are like two doors which the imperial guard have clearly just opened and gone oh shit it's <laughs> like why don't you just close the doors you'll be fine <laughs> Oh yeah, I've got the yeah. picture in front of me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know I mean? it's like these these was hanging out in this room with the doors closed until Sergeant Dickhead came along and was like, "Let's let's look in here. Let's just not bother to check what's in there. Let's just open the door. It'll be fine." It's like, oh no, oh my, um, but yeah, yeah, oh my. Um, but yes, I think boarding actions does look very cool, um, and I'll be very interested to see what they do with the rules for it um, to try and balance it up, which I imagine they will because like Terminators and stuff are like built for that environment yeah like that's I mean, literally this, this picture has got a brood lord and bulgrin in it so i don't i don't know yeah uh, no well i mean you should have them right because that's what you probably want you probably want your more like big chunky you know units to go in and and have a have a punch up rather than blade relying guard. on shooting designed for blade guard yeah. yeah rich i'm surprised you're not like super excited about it solely well i guess you are but solely for just like yes my entire boarding team is guard. yeah well what, what can you bring you could bring for 500 points how many blade guard could you fit in 500 points probably four squads of four yeah you can get 15 i think uh no, no because i think 15 is one 35 points per model aren't they yeah so 10 think... and then um, something that I, I'm not going to work out right now. Ten, Ten the and the, the Blade Four, Guard Captain. Fourteen. There we go. Roughly, yeah. So you can get fourteen in there. Well, I have that, so... Do you know what I would like what? to see? <laughs> I would oh, really like to see Primaris Breaches. Like like the, the Horus Heresy ones. Like the Horus Heresy shields. ones. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. Just yeah. enormous Primaris-sized um, Breacher Shields. With a short stub, uh, with a short stub bolt gun that fires like almost like a shotgun. <laughs> I, I, I really want to see. Wow. Yeah, like don't come near it because you know if you're within three inches, it's minus ten uh, and does six damage. <laughs> well, like, but can't save invulns against it, and it has a phase. It destroys phase caps. Um, I, I, I do, I do almost hope as well that they. And I don't know how you guys feel about this, but if they are going to do it for boarding actions, and obviously I said like monsters and vehicles are are out of it because you know they're too big to fit inside the corridors of a ship right which is which is great otherwise someone turns up is like yes my lehman russ is driving down the corridor <laughs> deal well, with that 
we we have uh, we have examples of that happening. They just can't turn round. <laughs> <laughs> bit like that bit in Austin Powers where he's yeah. just, <laughs> just reversing <Yeah>. back <laughs> Exactly. Trying, trying to maneuver no, no, no. a uh, mastodon through a corridor in a um destroying the walls but I, I do i do hope that they um they they maybe change around like the force org chart for this yeah i agree like, like so, so so that for example you know you're it, it's yeah, not stri- to, it's not maybe a strict combat patrol where you have to do like you know hq plus troop plus something else like you should be able to have other stuff maybe maybe the way you fix it is you have other stuff that can be classed as troops Right. Oh, I don't know if you'll get that, but what you might get is you might get a single force orc chart, like like with Age of Sigma. You have to have at least one leader and three battle line at two thousand points, and then the rest of it you can just go nuts. It wouldn't surprise me if you got something like that. Well, but that's what I mean. We sort of have that at the moment, right? Though, because the combat patrol, the basic combat patrol formation is one HQ, one troop. Oh, sorry, patrol formation detachment is yeah, one HQ, a, a one troop. Yeah, it's a patrol, yeah, no, sure. Right? What that does is it restricts yeah. you to two of everything else. Yeah. So that's so what I mean. The thing is, like, 500 points is quite restrictive, though. So I think the Combat Patrol, and I made, in the Combat Patrol rules, I made my own little force org. And it's basically, I think, like, one to three troops, one of everything, but no HQs, because they're a little bit too swingy, especially once you start adding in psychic yeah, powers. Yeah, that's, that's and then you can take, point, yeah. And then you can take one more of something that non-troops, non-HQ. So that's, I think, what I, I came up with for that. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you, you don't allow... You, yeah, because your, your combat patrol rules are, yeah, no HQs, and, and that, again, yeah. makes the game really interesting because you, 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 you can't rely on, on, like, buffing characters as well. You yeah. really have well, to Also, like, when there's, like, a character that costs, like, 200 points, it's, like, that's, that's <laughs> almost, like, <laughs> half your army. Yeah. It's like, hello, say hello to Morven Val, and she's just going to go and ruin you now for 430 points, and the other, <laughs> the other, the other points is made up of initiates, and that's yeah. my army. Or you have like a game of can you kill Mortarion? And like that's that's yeah. the entire battle. So, so I went I went I'll give a shout out to another another podcast here, which is Narrative Wargamer. And I went to Narrative Wargamer's narrative event. He's very focused on the team at Narrative Wargamer, Narrative Wargamer team are very focused on um uh, like crusade rules, for example, like and obviously the narrative in codexes, hence the name, spoiler. But they did a really cool event that I went to um and I up in uh, up in Belper in Derbyshire and one of the cool um uh things that they had there was one of the rounds we played at a narrative event they basically had and I've, I've actually because I, I won that battle I've got a version of it they had this like little um arena that uh, I think TT Combat make the uh, the the um not TT Combat actually sorry it's it's whoever the the company that we we went to their their event space they they make this like little arena and you had to put your HQs in the arena at the start of the game, you and your opponent. And they were each given 30 wounds. And they had all their abilities, but they just had 30 wounds. And they just had to butter the shit out of each other and couldn't interact with your army at all until one of them won the fight. Which was actually really funny. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it like my HQs are just like, we'll do that combat first, and then we'll try and resolve what the hell else is going on on the board. It's like a reverse gulag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically, and then once somebody won, they could come out and do stuff. But the one that lost, 
the dead. Oh, the, the HQ was dead. Oh, right. The problem with that format yeah. is when Adam played it, he was facing a, a cryptic versus his flying hive tyrant with a reaper of liquor. <laughs> um, so, of course, Adam really that, enjoyed mate, it. It made it I had my knight abominant with no, I'm, I'm, I did not have that. But yeah. It, if they're, they're not participating in the battle, though, then it's more time. Like, you maybe want a small character so that it's not a big loss for your adversary. Yeah, see? See? Make you think. This, 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 think this stuff again, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd just love to see, like, in, in that mode of combat, I'd love to see, like, a guard commander with a relic pistol. I said this on, on Epic Mode Conclave, and I will say it again because it's something I want to point is a Nick pistol off. I want everyone to bring a character from their from an army that they own. I want them to give it the relic pistol in every bloody codex, right? And then we'll just shoot at each other and see wins, right? Because they're yep, generally yep. terrible. But we'll just see what happens. I think, um, I think the GC have a good one, right? They they have the one that yeah, you've got on yeah, to, like, like the one that actually has like three pistols in his arms. Yeah. What's he what's he they call him Kel on tabletop tactics. He's called the yeah, um, Yes, that's it. There you go. Hence Kel. Yeah. You have that one, that's pretty good. But all the I'll play but with my demons. They, they haven't. I'm sure there is a relic in the demons. <laughs> a relic, a pistol. There isn't one in a cowl book. Yeah, I don't think there's one in a book either, but I have Inferno pistols, so I'll just do that. Literally. Yeah. You can, you can bring oh, the right, well, so Blood Owners have the access to the regular Space Marine Codex pistols. Yeah, just bring, yeah. Oh, but it's just not very fun to do that, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> not hip one, a terrible relic. <laughs> I mean, I have access to quake bolts. That's what we've got, which is that we fight a quake bolt, and it makes you easier to hit in melee. It doesn't actually do any. It's just <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that gives plus one hit. So you can hit um, what you uh, eliminate a squad. It's quite easy. Terminators, give it a question, and that's him. Bring the stupid um, Edmar for the deep. Uh, I think he for the deep, the guy that's <laughs> any that's <laughs> But there's one that has attack. <laughs> my my, my, my favourite weapon, but just because I'm now looking more ridiculous relic pistol equivalent in the books. My weapon, or not even a weapon, is definitely a property by and he like which yeah. is like a he does that in AI, doesn't he? No, I I really I just don't have a pistol. The, they have an incident, don't they? Or a side cannon. They've got a special storm bolter. That's that's so that's that's basically the stupid pistol. Rapid fire, free strength five, minus two AP, two damage. Actually, that, that's pretty good. <laughs> am, I, am I right in saying, sorry, I'm just going slightly on a, on a tangent within a tangent. We're like just going off on the run. But am I right in saying that the Slopperty Bile Piper in the AOS uh, Nurgle, what they call Maggotkin, yeah. he has like named songs? Because I watched a battle report in my, and this will make Josh happy, my attempts to try and learn a bit more about the world of Age of Sigmar and actually how the game works and, you know, hype myself up for not being able to have a fully painted army of it yet um is the um is that he ha- he like he was choosing a song yeah. each turn he was like i'm gonna play and it was like one that was called like here we go a stabbing or something you yeah. know otherwise known as the croydon moth the, the national anthem of croydon but still yeah. um and that that was like that was like a thing <laughs> they could do yeah yeah that is, i'm pretty certain that's how it is i'm not i'm not 100 percent okay with the um magakin book i haven't i don't own it um i know it's I think that that's right there. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if we're saying that the, the relic Broken pistol... Josh. <laughs> if, if you're saying that the relic pistol is the pointless relic, the pointless relic in the Chaos Demons book is the Endless Grimoire, where you can do an action and then you learn a psychic power. <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a unit that already knows psychic powers. Action. Read. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it starts in like... 
the psychic phase and runs until your next command phase. It's not like you do it at the beginning of the command. I can't remember how when it is. If you look it up in the Z, uh, it's but... it's. I've got I've got it here. So it's it's uh, yes. Study grimoire action, which I love. It's like that own word. The thing is just called do revision. Um, at the start of your shooting phase, the bearer can start to perform this action. This action is completed at the start of your next command phase. If if complete, select one psychic power from the pandemoniac discipline. Uh, until the end of the battle, the bearer knows that psychic power in addition to uh, any others it knows. Which is really so you useful. Can just, you can just slowly the... learn the whole of the pandemoniac discipline. It's, I, I swear that that one's in there as a joke because they know how good the impossible rover is. <laughs> if, you, if, you would, if, if you ever would take that one on, like, oh, I'm going to take the endless grimoire, I'm going to take it on my one-cast wizard that can, that, that, you know, is almost definitely being used alongside of Lord of Change instead of the endless grimoire. It's definitely a joke, that one. <laughs> so whilst so everyone I else think... is shooting with their relic pistols, my Zinch Herald is just reading from his book. <laughs> I'm doing my homework. Great, like, scene from a movie. Just like, it's just reading there, reading there. Like, Stanley and Spider-Man just in the yeah. library. And action's just going on yeah. behind him. So... So I, I reckon I found the the, pit, the like the nearest equivalent to the pistol, which is the soul bane for Zinch, which replaces a rod of sorcery, and is basically like a twelve inch assault three d three strength six AP minus two three damage kind of little gun thing. That's probably the equivalent. It was yeah. pretty damn nice. I mean, it's got high damage. Yeah. The, the problem with it is the problem with it is a flamer. The problem with it is, is it's just not the impossible robe. <laughs> if you're going to take a relic from that book, you take the impossible robe. Does the Imperial Knights Codex have a pistol? <laughs> that would be quite funny. This <laughs> <laughs> giant gauntlet, just like pew. <laughs> they probably have something for like the stubbers or whatnot. I oh, no, this this will still be the thing that I've always wanted with chaos, with with Imperial Knights is the idea that. Or Chaos Knights is the idea that you could actually jump the pilot out of the cockpit um, and go off and do something like an action. Oh, well, like Luke Skywalker taking out an, an at I think it'd be great. Like, if you could just, like, it, it, there could be some random scenario where actually, for the turn, you don't need your Chaos Knight. You, you're willing to power him down and you get, like, the little pilot out. Wait, can Chaos Knights do action? Because that could be a way you do an action as a Chaos Knight. Well, Depends I mean, on how the action is written. Some actions are written that they can be performed by anyone. Other ones, like banners, have to be performed by infantry. Look at you, the encyclopedia of yeah. knowledge. But they, so, so if, if you have to get into Chaos Knights or a Knights player, just be like, yeah, you should take banners. That'll work for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fun, funnily enough, Chaos... Uh, oh, they probably can't do it anymore with the new Demons book, but in the old Demons book, Chaos Knights could summon demons to then raise banners for them. Yeah, yeah, they can, they can, they can have a. So, they've got their agents. Now they have to be. So can, yeah, if you take like a contingent of demons, you can do that now. But you can't you summon them like you used to be able to. No, I'm true. The, but you the can. Idea of demons doing those sorts of actions, though, I find almost <laughs> as hilarious as Chaos Knights. It's just like, well, you can flavor it in like, your own way because, like, for when I play Tyranids, I take banners, but I use the little Gene Stealer node that comes with the Gene Stealers, and I place that as a quote-unquote banner. But it actually yeah, looks like I, they're like starting to like infest the planet, which is uh, much cool. So I was going to say actually, like the the demons putting like a literal banner down, like some kind of like like slash it, just be like a screaming face on a skin like banner or something, like a sex swing. 
uh, yeah, all right, or that. Um, um, but like that to me sort of works. But yeah, like Tyranids is weirder because for them it's just like, oh yes, our like tentacles are growing out of the ground. It is our banner. But those those little markers you get with the with the infestation is with the gene stealer kit that you still get because that kit is about a million yeah. years old. And, and they, they um, look really great. And they really work, handy work for well. Yeah, yeah. I have a question. Cool. Tell me how you feel about fire away. No, no, I said I have a question. That works, oh. Rich, when, you know, if I just said question, but unfortunately yeah. you got the joke wrong. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, the question, you know, we talked about what we were going to talk about before we before we did this. And yes. we managed to fill an hour and 35 without having an agenda, but I told you I had an interesting topic that I was musing earlier today and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Is this now that time? It's now that time. It's now that time. All right, let's go. What did you say? <laughs> Not nothing. Go, go, go. You said some it. I said I was going to take my trousers off. Oh, right. Okay. Um, go, go, go right ahead. No, the thing I've been pondering all day today was if Toy Story was real, do I think I could fight my collection of Warhammer? Okay, okay, okay. Let's let's set some parameters. Well, so this is the problem, right? Because I think if they are all just plastic, as they are, you can destroy them. Probably. I mean, the sheer amount of them, I might have trouble with. Like, I've got a bunch of Toy Story. Like the green army men are. <laughs> that was dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so what's happened there, listeners, is uh, Rich has is, is just he's been destroyed by mention. The Disney Corporation taking him off. Yeah, exactly. His, his models just just woke up. It's about. Oh, I got. I got. He's coming back. Are you alive? I am alive. Yeah. I was saying that the Green Army men are a thing in Toy Story. Yeah. No. No. Bullets, right? They're just like little army men that like kind of pad about. But so this is my point, right? Okay. So, like, I've got a bunch of old metal miniatures, and they've got swords. But, and that stuff but hurts. The movie Toy Soldiers, like, they were violent. Yeah, small soldiers. That's a good point. So, like, the, yeah. the, the question I have is what are the parameters for this? Because, you know, so, some, of, some of our Warhammer miniatures are modeled with ammunition. And because they're modeled with ammunition, that means they'd be able to fire ammunition. Yeah. But are they. I a miniaturized version of what they actually are, or are they still toys? I think if they're like if they're a miniature soldiers, then I'm dead. Because do we have in- I would say that they're toys and like everything still exists in their current form. Yeah, because yeah. in because in Small Soldiers they like they crafted stuff. If you haven't seen this, Small Soldiers is a movie from like nineteen ninety nine or something. It's, it's like a it's, yeah, it's like it's like a very old school movie. I used to have it on VHS, which ages me and this movie. Um, and basically, what happens in this movie is a bunch of like like action man style toys are outfitted with like a chip. Which is meant to let them say things, you know. They have, like, and they're all like themed on the half of them are themed on like soldiers, and half of them are themed on like these kind of mutants, which is supposed to be the bad guys. They but were the com- weren't they? 
The Gorgonites, yeah. exactly. Yeah, the Gorgonites. But what happens is that they, for some reason, the company that makes it also, like, I'm pretty sure just makes weapons. <laughs> so, you know, much like real Hasbro. <laughs> um, and uh, they they somehow outfit, like, they, they use a, like, chip, which is meant to go into, like, some super advanced military weapon system, gets somehow put into these toys, I think deliberately by, like, the evil character, because he wants them to be, like, interactive and stuff. And inevitably, this sort of brings the toys to life but they have their personalities that they're programmed with so the soldier ones are like ultra violent so they're like action man size right so they're like you know i don't know like 10 inches tall or something and they play they basically build and craft weapons like they get like a you know like a, a thing that launches like blades from a stanley knife so they're like proper dangerous so if if we're talking about our oh, warhammer miniatures coming to life and having the personalities much like in toy story when buzz lightyear comes life you know and he is buzz lightyear he is as he you know is in his fluff if ours are as they are in the fluff, even if they don't have real weapons, that's going to get real dangerous well, yeah, like, real quick. Fight, like, I've got a whole army of Grey Knights. I'm fucked straight away. <laughs> I'm getting smited to oblivion. That's what I was thinking. I was like, what's the rules here? Is it Toy Story, is it Small Soldiers, or is it Ant-Man rules? Because if it's Ant-Man what? rules, we're all dead. Well, yeah. What's, that, what's Ant-Man? Well, because Ant-Man is just a miniaturised... how much of a power of a punch he, he has in his small punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the whole thing is that his his strength becomes exponential because he punches with the same strength that he has as a big person, but as a much smaller yeah. surface area. So it's like being hit by a bullet. I think we go with small soldiers. Small soldiers, and right? I think we die. Well, if, it, if it's small soldiers, they don't have any weapons themselves, and they're not going to have any psychic powers or anything. It's just that, think, like, they can like craft a, things and they're intelligent. Think like a towel model, though. They don't really shoot, but like it's energy most of the time. They're shooting like lasers and stuff, so they could. Yeah, but they still be a lump. Yeah, but they still would just be a living lump of plastic, right? Well, like yeah, guess, it'd be yeah. down to what. They, what what you're talking about is what you're yeah what you're talking about though is if they came to life and were literally just as they are in 40k yeah yeah. yeah, you you'd be screwed like i have a lord of change on my desk he would he would he would send my ass into the warp and i would not have a chance like are you kidding me i i have death guard i'm gonna be in contagion range i'm not surviving this (laughs) (laughs) i feel feel slightly weaker than i felt when i was six foot away Actually, wait, because it's an aura of effect and you're, like, very tall compared to a Death Guard model. It would only affect, like, your toes. So, you just <laughs> so my feet are going to fall off. <laughs> yeah. You would slowly disintegrate over a period of time. <laughs> That's very Nurgle, to be fair. I think, to be honest, I like to think of it just as being the toy version, but then going... I, I, I'm kind of just sat here looking at my collection thinking, which of them are the pokiest... And are going yeah. to like stab me the most with tiny Necrons just all of them on Yeah, I have chaos. Um, yeah, I've got some spikes been, on chaos. Well, they just need to rub up against you, basically, don't they? Like, um, I, I'm pretty sure I've like I've poked my finger on some of the spikes and made myself bleed before, just on like assembling models. So yeah, yeah well, oh, came alive. I've cut myself on many a necro model. I'm badly cut myself because I was I was looking in my cupboard. This is I'll tell you what happened. I was looking in my in my display cabinet behind me, and I was like, I think I could take that. And then I looked at the top <laughs> shelf where there's a bunch of dragons, and I was like, Do you know what? If they came to life, I, I think they would be enough distraction that the rest of it would be able to very slowly club me to death. I think it's way <laughs> too excited about it. I was, this is generally an existential question for me today. <laughs> 
Can I survive well, against one? I a Nemesis Dreadnought sword. If, like, if they actually, even though it's a bit of plastic, if they punch that hard enough, that's piercing me and going to hurt. I've got King Broad. He could definitely break an ankle. <laughs> You've he's got, got, he's got, got a right? Titan. You've I've got, got Archeon. Titan. I've got I've got Archeon. Yeah, he could claw my eyes out. I've got a I mean, Titan. If, if, anyone, if anyone had like Smaug, like the one of the large yeah. smalls they make. Yes. Or the, like, that's like the size of like a house cat. I mean, you can you can see for you know, obviously audible medium, but for these guys you can see the camera. Like you can see behind me, there's a there's there's a side hero jewel and a barbed hero jewel on this shelf, which are two pretty chunky bits of resin. Like if they jump from a great height, they're gonna they they hit me in the head. Like as at the very least I'm gonna be going ow, right? That hurt. And they've got big claws. Flying at your head. Well, then the other question I had for myself is: Is there a single model that I can think of that I couldn't take in a one-on-one fight, as it is right now? And the only one I could think of was the new gargantuan Tiamat that D and D was the coaster just made. Have you seen that? What's that? No, I've not seen that. Go and look up the Tiamat model. It is a model a while back. Yeah, of Tiamat. It is enormous. It is gigantic. Wizards of the coast. Right? Is it? Is it? Wait! Is it? It's Wizards of the Coast, it's, right? It's D and D. If you just look up Tiamat yeah. model, there should be a gun. Thing like multiple heads. Yeah, yeah, it's got four heads, five um, heads. There is another question though, as well around it, which is: Are the models still attached to their base? Uh, because it's going to make it harder. That would be a distinct advantage for me as well. Yes, they hop around um, and kind of fall over, and especially because all my ma- my bases are magnetized, they. I'll just I'll just form a, a line behind like <laughs> the metal bit between two rooms and they'll just all get stuck. Jesus. You just cover your floor in metal just in case it happens. Yeah, I mean this this is probably a survival strategy at this point. So have you, have you found Tiamat yet, Adam? I, I have, and it's yeah. four hundred dollars, which is quite funny. Uh, but yeah, it it looks huge. It says it's fourteen inches tall. That's enormous. Yeah, like 28, 28 inches long or something, right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's a whole table half. It's <laughs> <laughs> a big boy. It's truly enormous. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I could take that in one-on-one combat. Imagine baby what, you know came what? alive. You could use them as roller skates. <laughs> Going down the street with a vein blade on each foot. <laughs> you should, uh, you know what you should do, Josh. I think you should get this Tiamat model, and I think you should mount. Uh, I think you should mount. What's he called? What's Archeon's thing called? Dro, dro, dro- Dorgar. Dorgar. That's it. I always call him like Drogor or something. But yeah, Dorgar. You should because he. This is like a dragon with five heads. Then you have a dragon. Then you have a thing on top that's basically a dragon with three heads, and then you just have Archeon, who is a man with one head. So it's just like an exponential number of heads increasing and scale increasing. No, that's fair. Tiamat would brook no rider, though. I, I, I know nothing of Tiamat, so... Tiamat's the god of dragons. Is that right, Rich? Uh, yeah, along those lines, um, I'm not 100% on the, the law, but basically is a god. Yeah. And is a five-headed dragon. Just give me an M4. It's massive, it. and if you ever come up against her, then just run. Yeah, I'm in. A, I'm in a campaign. I'm doing um, Horde of the Dragon Queen, and we're in chapter. We're in the second half of it, so we're we're heading towards the end game of eventually having to maybe face Tiamat. Um, I'm not looking forward to it because I know it will be a total party wipe immediately. Um, it is very cool looking. I kind of feel like I might make a knight out of it or something. <laughs> 
I mean, that's fine. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons miniature, I don't care. Use it as a Grondis. Grondis? No, I think, or, you know, maybe like a grot or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is my this is my grot herder. Yeah, it's the opposite of your army. You'll turn up with your knight's army made out of small things, and I'll turn up with a grot army that I've made out of gigantic <laughs> things. Um, have you seen the grot army that's an Asher Militara army, or the other way around? Like, it's made out of grot. Yeah, that yeah that that was on the the guy who made that has been on um, forty k in forty minutes a whole bunch of time play on tabletop. Yeah, yeah. It's the uh, the 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 grot guards. They're they're really cool. They're a really they're cool the, conversion. Really and he has that. He has like a bunch of grots in a trench coat as a commissar. Yeah, and they're like um, standing on top of each other. Yeah, yeah, love it. See, that's very cool. Yeah, my my orc yeah. army is a space orc army, and it's a space marine army as well in that respect. So it's just it's something that I I just think orcs just attract this kind of slight deviance, really, don't they? So like mine are all clad in power armor and various different themes of different chapters. And there's so many people that have just done such cool things. Like all corn armies of orcs are amazing whenever you see them and. There's just so many cool things that people do with them. I know someone's definitely done an Admech army made oh, out of orcs. Just oh, yeah, so good. Really cool. Yeah. Have you have you guys so uh, a friend friend of ours, um, which again people who are listening may be familiar with, a guy called Ollie Missick, who um does a lot of very cool conversions. He has a very cool um like space they're like they're like NASA orcs. So they're like space orcs from NASA. And he has a he has like a a, a Nork Armstrong or a Neil Neil Armstrong character who's uh who's like kind of you know got the got the sort of version of the u.s flag like first orc on the moon um, which is very 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 cool uh so well, thoroughly not, recommend checking it not out. only that but he's also got an entire necron army that's his necrock army because they're all orcs but the thing is he's only really actually used the orc head and everything else he's custom built out of plastic card it's an absolutely insane yeah it's 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 very cool i was gonna say orcs do lend themselves out there's a there's a conversion i've seen which is like (laughs) like orc boys but they're all like trying to disguise themselves by hiding in bins or like oil barrels and stuff so it's literally just an oil barrel with a little hole in it for the eyes and just the orc arms coming out the side that's a classic (laughs) commander conversion and it's still fantastic is that just the bush mandos that we had at the uh at the fun and fluff last which uh Alex Martin is offering, and he's got, yeah, exactly that. Commandos again, but this time with, like, it's mainly just arms poking out of bushes, basically. And, of course, they're purple bushes too, right? So they're completely invisible, um, and it's just absolutely outstanding. There's there's so many good commando conversions and funny ones that you can do. Like, I've seen ones where they're, like, holding up cardboard cutouts of Space Marines in front of them and stuff like that. There's some nuts things you can do with them. Yeah, no, it's very, very cool. Um, well, look, as we are as we are coming towards the end of the podcast, I think it's worth us inserting some final structure into this. And we should just spend, I think, 10 minutes briefly, and we'll give our views, because, look, there's loads of other content out there about this. And we've we've talked about hobby. We've talked about how would you face down your, your, your own army if it came to life, right? All the key key points we hit on the Warhammer. But the other thing we've had recently, um, in addition to all these announcements... And Josh's existential fear of models coming to life um, is we have had the balanced data slate for 40k has come out. And since, you know, a lot of people listening to this are going to be playing competitive uh, matches and it is or tournaments that are coming up um, and, you know, we are known to play at them and this will affect it. What 
you guys, what do we think? What do we think of the balanced data slate? Give me, be, but I don't know why I said that, like Sean Connery, the balanced data slate. Um, send sentence. me your, uh, yeah, yeah. Give me a, a sentence that you like. That's great. That's just, yeah, yeah. It's gone. Another instance of stupid, I don't have a chapter tactic anymore is now gone. Um, so I'm delighted by that. Great effort, well, of you. That's I was sat there refreshing for two days. Apparently, something else was happening in the country. Don't really know. I'll catch up on that later. I just I, need to know Leviathan is has been nerfed in some way. I I did see on Twitter. I should say that Innes Wilson, who's a, a you know quite a big in the competitive scene, and is a, a Scottish uh, Warhammer player. He 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 put something out that morning, and he put today's the day, lads. I can feel it. And I just replied to him, and I went, "This could be about the balanced data slate dropping or the prime minister changing." <laughs> and I honestly don't know which one I prefer. And then it just it both happened at roughly the same time. So I just replied, and I was like, "Turned out it was both." <laughs> It was a little bit like GW had waited for the for the trust thing to happen in order to sneak it out under the cover of, um, of other news, right? It's like, yeah, it's, can, it's, can, it's, can, that's can a can Bojo tactic, wasn't it? They've just kind of co-opted it and just gone, aha, guys, quickly, get it out. She's going, she's going, get the translate out. Can our leader outlast? So this is the, whoever we end up with is new, new, the new prime minister. We won't get into politics on, but whoever we end up with are unfortunate enough to have inflicted on us, shall we say? Um, is uh, we should do a can they outlast the the current season, the current balanced data slate of uh, of Warhammer Forty K? Because we had the lettuce for Liz Truss, so maybe for whoever's next, we can have can they outlast this balanced data slate? But Jamie, positive review from you. What about Mister Watkin? What was your take on the uh, the balanced data slate? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was fairly a, a fairly light touch, but that's probably a good thing because the game is actually in quite a balanced state, balanced state at the moment. There are probably still a couple of things you could rein in here and there, and I'm not sure if they buffed up some of the lower stuff quite yeah, enough. I, but overall, I think it's you probably wanted a light touch for this one. Um, yeah because it, the game is actually pretty good. At yeah, I, I did see... So one of the criticisms I saw, which I'd, I'd be interested to hear everybody's views on, was that the Space Marines, you know, everyone knows that regular Adeptus Astartes are not doing very well. In fact, in the last preview, when they talked about how they balanced the game, they came out with quite a funny line, which uh, Josh and I were talking about the other night, which was when they basically went, yeah, Space Marines are pretty much everyone's first army. And when you first army, you're probably a bit rubbish at Warhammer. So, you know, they're going to have a lower win rate and we'll live with that, which I thought was refreshingly honest of them, actually. To, to say that but and, and it's true a little bit better to help the newer player right well well okay yeah sure right it, it is true but but then yeah in this in this balance day, like one thing they said is we are going to try and boost them a bit and one thing we're going to do is we're going to change it's one of the secondaries that they have it's called shock, shock tactics and basically it gives you uh four victory points now if you yeah rather four rather than three and it's if you but I correct me if I'm wrong, but it's if you basically control an objective that you previously didn't control, uh, you know, at yeah, the start yeah. of your turn, right? So it forces you, it encourages you to like get in there and well, basically fight. It's, it's that you have to take it off your opponent as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, so, sorry. I mean, yeah. yeah, I should have been clearer rather than just a blank one. It has to be one you take off your opponent, yeah, right? Otherwise, it um, should be a bit stronger. Yeah, but and I, I saw some people saying that wasn't enough. It is a slightly problematic element of that secondary. I mean, I was having a chat with various other Blood Angels players about it. And unfortunately, we've got much better secondary in exactly that slot, which is relentless assault, which is for having stuff in the opponent's um, half. But a few a few guys were kind of excited to have this better shock tactics. But the, the difficulty for me is exactly what Rich points out, which is you've got to take it off somebody. And there are yeah, several so caveats. If you're not trading back and forth on objective, 
it's, so if, if you you're go more. First, if you go first, you know you're not getting to turn one, really, because you've got to get to a very far flung, and especially if your opponent's just gone, well, I just won't sit on the objective turn one. I don't hold me anyway. Um, and then similarly as well, potentially you've got the likes of turn four and five. I mean, I like to have murdered as much as I can at that point that's on an objective, um, and it can mean that then it's difficult to get a hold of one too. So it is, it is still, I think, a little bit underpowered, even at the four points. Truly, truly a sinner sanguineous there. Yeah, <laughs> not exactly the the buff that Space Marines were were looking for. No, no, no. But yeah, so I think it'd be interesting to see if it if it if it has. I, I did see somebody that I again on in the, the 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 otherwise sewer that is Twitter. The Warhammer community tends to be all right actually, but I did see someone I follow on there actually said, you know, yeah, I wasn't expecting it to make much of a difference, but I played it with some Space Marines into my. In, I played it with my Space Marines in some Necrons, and it actually got me loads of points, which I was, you yeah. know, I was actually really happy I'm, with. I'm so. sure it will, will help, but yeah, it's, yeah, perhaps they might have needed a little bit more. Is all. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think again. I think based on what they said before, maybe they're willing to just <laughs> let Space Marines kind of sit there <laughs> rather than giving them like I, a brand new pellet. I, I, I have a take that's different about about Admech. That might be a... okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So. So. We. I guess we should say what they did, right? So we've explained that. So and and I should just say for Leviathan, what they did was uh, they changed the transhuman, so the can't be wounded on a one to three thing to monster synapse only. So it has to have monster keyword, yep. synapse keyword. So, so some of the key units like Zoanthropes, for example, would lose it. Warriors lose it. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so I think people were getting a bit confused because it only changed the first bullet point when it says that in there. So it means that your Warriors and Zoanthropes and any other synapse non-monster stuff don't get anything anymore. But all your Termagants uh, on your small bugs still get the mini transhuman, can't be wounded on a one or a two. That's an oversight? No, I think that's completely intentional. Yeah. Okay. It's and they because if you read the article, they describe that. Yeah, and it and it probably it probably move people away from playing like warrior spam and maybe bring you yeah. back like the, the big thing. Them. Yeah, like the the Tyranid book is quite strong. Like I play Behemoth, so I know what they're like without this already, and it's quite a good army. But I do lose some games to some other good armies as well. I feel like what the issue was was the Leviathan Warriors being spammed over and over. And it's just when you see one unit dominating the army list, that's when you know something's a little bit off. And for them, yeah, it was in a, in human. A, yeah, in a codex that has that much depth to it, definitely. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, but Rich, go, go on. We should, as I say, we should say for, for Admech, what they did was just basically said all changes in previous balance data slates are reversed. So just go back to your... But, but obviously, not, to, not points. Oh, yeah, go, go on. Exactly. The important thing to note is exactly that. The points haven't changed, so yeah. that's a massive yeah. difference. So a lot of people have kind of, and I, 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 you know, don't get me wrong. I think a lot of us remember Admet Reign of Terror at one point um, when they first released, and were probably the first truly outstanding codex that we we had of, of ninth. And there was a lot of pain felt as a result, um, but also the environment they go into has totally changed as well. So it's not a, mm. you're not reversing the army. You're reversing only specifically the balance data shape change, uh, yeah. changes. The points still remain, yeah. and the environment they're coming back into is one where also the FAQ still remains as well. Yeah, the FAQ yeah. still there. Yeah. It's a, it is a totally different thing, and I think it's and, actually and, positive. 
it's probably also worth saying that the, for anyone who remembers the horrendous days of, uh, of, of admex supremacy as they were, um, you're right. The environment has changed because there and were flyers, I think, like well, Richard, flyers is still on well, the that's what I'm about to say. Yeah, like key the, part of them for a while. Yeah, the the game the the game state rules the the, art, the sort of game wide rules still remain. So you're not going to have Mars and Lucius mixed armies anymore, right? Yeah. That we had back in the day. You're not going to have flyer spam because you can't do that anymore. So I think it, it does it does itself to uh to to a bit more balance and the environment has changed but rich having said all of that what was your spicy take on it so my, my spicy take is that i've seen people complaining that the change isn't enough right but i think the change is is fine because for the reasons you just just said so i'm going against people saying it's not enough for the ad and they need more to buff them up to get high higher into the into um, a balanced balanced game but my my, my second point is as well is this is a change to see what happens right so don't overreact and then do a bold a, a league of votan as well let's see what these changes do uh, they're only going to make your army better right oh votan are fine don't worry about votan <laughs> no, but, yeah, votan yeah. are fine trust me <laughs> Having yeah, having no. having had having had a play around with them now, they're fine. <laughs> um, uh, but um, um, and and Josh, what about you? Did what were you, did you have any any thoughts on the balance data slate, or were you? It, it, we, did you did it did it pass you by like so many bad conversions on the wind? There is it is a difficult job for me to think of something I care less about than the balance data. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. This is what we need. You know, like at the end of the news when they go, like they go, like, and now a heartwarming story of a squirrel on water skis from Trenton, New Jersey. Right? You're like that, but you're the opposite. It's like, yeah. let's go over to Josh for darkness. Uh, yeah. No, no. But but you, to be fair, to be fair, you said at the beginning your focus right now is is AOS, right? So, well, yeah, but also just like the balanced data slate only becomes a thing when it becomes a thing. It never affects my armies. Wiser words have never been said. Yeah, but like, this is the point, right? Like, does does the changes to the Admech Codex really matter to anybody here right now unless you have, A, an Admech army or you're about to face one tomorrow? No. Right. So, no. Uh, why... see, I, well, I mean, I would say it depends, doesn't it? If you're, if you're playing a variety of armies very frequently, then, yeah, the reality is that I'm going to play Admech at some point. I mean, I will play Admech. If, if it shifts the metagame... Well, yeah, sure, but like, but like this is small changes. As it stands right now, my next outing on the tabletop isn't f- until February. Yeah, so it doesn't affect you. That so much, it doesn't I affect me. So, I, like anything that happens in it, I'm just like I kind of really don't care. Like, sure, I might play 40k between now and then, and then if there's something in there that I need to know, then I then I'll then I'll go and look it up. But honestly, I read it and I was like, okay, cool. Like you know, I haven't I haven't played Tyranids. I, mean, I know all about them, but I'm just yeah. like, okay, cool. To be, to be fair, like I had my first game against Necrons like two weeks ago. Like in all of Ninth Edition, that's been my first game against Necrons. Was two was two weeks ago. I've played I've played Chaos Demons for the last two years, 
And we don't feature in the balanced data Actually, slate. No. We didn't finish. We didn't feature in the balanced data slate when you know there was like armor of contempt and stuff like that. And I was like, why didn't demons get a single thing in that? But like, it was just like, oh, we're, we're going to help. The, we're going to help the factions that are really struggling right now. <laughs> demons. Well, you like, you, you got your you got your FAQ. You got your malefic weapons are going to rend through armor of contempt yep. and through minus one damage, and that I think is awesome. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, and that's also like just I, got flavors as well, which are really annoying. I don't yeah, actually have any of them. But this although is the they're thing, now like, a C- seemingly they're now a CSM unit, they seem to be cropping up. Here. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like the, the point about flamers as well is like if an FA like if an FAQ comes out or if we get a points rebalancing and flamers go up to fifty two points a model. They're only like twenty points a model or something at the moment. <laughs> yeah, they're very cheap. Like if they go up to like fifty two like points a model, maybe. So, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, she's 25, yeah. Um, if they go up like that, again, it's just not going to affect me at all. So, like, I don't need to get mad about it. So, like, I, I'm, I'm just like, okay, cool. Balance data yeah. set is up. I don't I mean, I, I definitely get what you're sort of getting at. And I think this point comes up a lot when we're talking about, oh, this big, scary metalist that's going to cr- that's crushing everyone at the at the moment in the meta. And it's like, but are you going to face that in your local club game that you have each week? Like, probably not. So you're probably going to be fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. man, and we've like, got some it, real dickheads. Happens all the time. Just, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. but, like, at the same time, you can say to your opponents, like, hey, I'm not up for a competitive right game. Right like, right I just here. want to have a <laughs> casual game. Look, 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 this is yeah, it. Like, the things I'm... Red Knight to a 500-point game. <laughs> I just want to know which Charlie Adams going to be playing next week. Basically, like that's the balanced data slate. It's like who got nerfed hard? Cool. He's got that. No worries. That collection goes in the bin. After in comes the new one. <laughs> <laughs> but like, this is the point, right? Like, is like the next games I am likely to play at the moment is February for the ITT. So things will probably change by then anyway. But if I play before then, it would most likely be either against one of you four at my house. Or it will be against Alice and it will be Age of Sigma. True. Yeah. No, it's or fair. some spicy Lord of the Rings stuff. Or it will be some spicy Lord of the Rings stuff, in which case the 40k balance of the data slate could not mean less to play Middle Earth strategy battle games. <laughs> this is very <laughs> true. Aragorn into a Space Marine captain. I yeah, the other my, way around. I converted my yeah, converted my Primaris Terminator captain or whatever in Gravis armor to be uh, Theoden on Snowmane. <laughs> or you could right. get a. Actually, what you could do is a Mumma kill as an Imperial Knight or something like that. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, with its stubber. <laughs> Oh, why is it every time we talk? We can't. Okay, we need to put a ban on mentioning Mumma Kill on these on this podcast because every time you mention it, Richard will mention the one. Uh, oh, sorry, Reza will mention the one that it were that somebody very famously. And you can Google this if you wish. Please don't do it on a work computer. You'll probably get in trouble. Um, the, the, somebody sculpted. Somebody sculpted a uh, set of, uh, of of highly realistic genitalia onto a, uh, a, a Lord of the Rings war elephant and Mumma Kill. Uh, and uh, I don't know why they did that. 
I don't know what, what what went through their brain when they were like, you know, we need this. Because I think at no point in The Lord of the Rings, as I remember The Return of the King, and certainly in the extended edition, you know those bits where the road riders of Rohan are like riding around and like, you know, chopping the legs from the knees. At no point do they just get hit in the face by a massive ball sack. So I don't think it was a strictly necessary add-on to the you model. It's funny about these... mentioning it every time you mention Mimikyos, because I think you're the one who told me about it as well. <laughs> I know. I, I, I thought it was funny at the time and now i regret it because you can't get it out of your brain <laughs> do elephants have testicles <laughs> i think this is maybe a tangent <laughs> too far <laughs> on that note on that note look guys we've we hit, we hit our we hit our, our, our two-hour waffling target no, no, right no, so on, I think, this is what i'm uh, the question i'm asking is if it's anatomically that's correct, a whole different podcast if, if they have a bag, as it were, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if they do. Hey, okay. Well, you send in your suggestions to, to Josh uh, on the, on his channel. Leave comments as to whether you think Mumakil have testicles or otherwise. Um, you can I'm leave sure them. They at, do. At, I just don't know if they're external or, or internal. I'm genuinely curious. This is a this is a you know zoological question. We'll give them an answer. The next Alice, Alice is Alice is going to come home and be like. Josh, why is the Google search just elephant balls? Uh, I don't want to Google. I don't want to Google it, but I figured that would be something that somebody here would know because you're all intelligent. I mean, yeah, yeah but like, what? Oh, yeah, you, that, <laughs> yeah. I was like, excuse me, can you get that elephant sort of turn round and sort of arch its back a bit? As long as uh, no, no. Anyway, look, we're, I'm done. We're leaving it there. We're leaving it there. So look. Thank you very much. I'll let you ponder that thought about Mimikil uh, anatomy, is the word I'm looking for. It sounded like bloody Boris. Yeah, I'll let you, the, our wonderful listeners, ponder that question uh, over the next week or so uh, until we meet again and then you can send your answers to us uh, you can comment on the instagram or preferably as i say go to warhipster on youtube and please just leave comments under josh's lovely painting videos telling us whether mimikil anatomically have a ball bag um but otherwise thank you for joining us it has been wonderful to um chat to these fine people this evening and we will hopefully keep more of this going as well as expanding the conclave podcasting universe more generally i know ed uh, our friend the sandman has put out an episode very recently where he's chatting with his his friends from the war masters team talking about much more of the competitive side which is really cool and um, we'll hopefully do some more of that as well so it only remains for me to say goodbye on behalf of me mr adr wargaming and uh, from the rest of you would you like to say goodbye to our, our, our fine listening audience which one <laughs> yeah oh. the, the listener oh, <laughs> Bye, Bye Dave. Bye. Thanks for listening, Graham and Keith, <laughs> Kevin and James. No, Kevin's not listening. <laughs> Don't forget Roy. Roy and Brian. Exclusively uh, listened to by middle-aged men. <laughs> 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 and with that, with Gareth that, and Melvin. Lovely. Melvin, he's a good guy. Oh. You've got to say goodbye. <laughs>